Mother what Simpson left go and that <laughs> Mother is what the voice of the one and only number one Rutgers fan of the hey, world. Big game Josh tonight. Are you seriously going to leave this podcast early to go to the Rutgers game? I am, yeah. I mean, that Rutgers, is some the Iowa bullshit. The Iowa Hawkeyes are in town. Who gives a crap? Are they good at I anything? I give a crap. Are they good at I anything? I give a crap. This is a, this is a winnable Josh game for Rutgers like he's tonight. He's going to make sure that his kids have some ice cream and some helmets. <laughs> Dipping dots at the rack, actually. No ice cream. Hey, guys, yeah. this, hey. this kid right here, good free throw shooter. Let's clap it up. Let's yep. clap it up. Everyone get in the van. Head down to Piscataway. Already straight. Oh, I got him straight. I mean, you've already you already talked more than last week's episode I did. already. I well, mean, yeah, listen, I took your advice to heart. Thank so you. thanks. I, sometimes I need a little motivation. Sims was very upset. He was I pissed. Mean, and he let me know. Episode 149. Yeah, but let me handle this, Lefko. Sims, any 49s uh, <laughs> jump to your head? <laughs> uh, yeah, let's just do it. No Rutgers, guys. Uh, let's see. The first All right, one you're that done. Jumped 49s. <laughs> Dennis Smith was the first 49 that went to my mind. Yep. Denver safety, six time Pro Bowl. Awesome player, eighties and nineties. Uh, let me just think. I know. I'm man. I'm, I'm. I choke on this every time. You'd think I'd be good at it too, since we did it a hundred shows ago. I have some really random good ones. Do you some random good yeah, ones? Yeah, they're, they're, they're not a lot of time. There's one Hall of Famer are from we, the fifties and sixties. Are we doing this again when we get into the two hundreds? We'll just start from zero. Yeah, again. yeah. start over. Oh, okay, yeah. great. We we burn lots of brain cells. We'll sure. forget by then. Do you have any 49s? <laughs> no, I got nothing. All right, let me go through quickly. Uh, one guy that came to mind, uh, current linebacker Riley Bulla from Tampa Bay. Jason Light came out this week and said, man, those preseason expectations were crazy. One of the guys was the star yeah, right. of Hard Knocks, right. Riley Bulla. Yeah. That's what happens is it turns like the 54th guy on the team into a star, so you think the whole team is good. Random guys, <laughs> Green Bay tight end Emmanuel Bird, is Oakland that fullback Jameez Alawale, Cleveland <laughs> linebacker Alawale, Josh Keith. Should have got that one. Uh, Kansas City strong safety Daniel Sorensen. Uh, and then got that. we had two long snappers that will be playing this weekend. So when you're watching punts or field goals, remember you heard on Sims Left Go first, Jacksonville's long snapper Colin Holba. And New England long snapper Joe Cardona. Joe Cardona. Have we told that that story on the podcast? I I would assume so. Cardona Cardonia. When Joe Cardona was drafted. You remember this? Oh, I do, yeah. Kinda. When Joe Cardona was drafted, it was me and Matt Miller on set, and we were a little bit behind. Josh was our esteemed producer at the time, and Miller was super excited right. because this is a Navy guy that was drafted. He had the, the quickest hand-to-kick like time ever, and, and Miller's like, I actually have stuff to talk about. And in the video, I called him Joe Cardonia. Right. Josh, oh, Josh buzzed in. We gotta said, do this video again. We gotta do it again. His gotta name do it is again, Joe guys. Cardona. And we did it again, and I swore up and down that I said Cardona. He did not. Apparently, I did not. We were about seven picks behind getting videos for the BR app, which you should download and subscribe immediately to the Sims Lefko stream. And he had a boss over his shoulder going, you need to do that again. I was like, I, there's no fucking Defcon chance. DEFCON 4 levels oh, of Oh, I've seen it before. There's no fucking chance right. I'm redoing Cardona. How dare you make me re-say a name correctly and show that person respect and say yep. that I'm wrong in the job that I'm supposed to do of saying the name correctly. I believe the my, <laughs> my point exactly. exactly. I believe my phrase was, "You have a better chance of me taking a shit on this desk." I went full Bill O'Reilly, the old Charles Haley in front, story, in front of Connor Rogers and Jake Simberman, and they are like, "What?" And the old Charles Haley. 
That was that. And then I called the HR hotline, and that was the last we heard from him. <laughs> that was it. All-time, 49. Night Train Lane, was he 49? No, we already no. did him. Okay. Uh, Jeff Fuller, defensive back for the Niners at the end of the 80s, three-time Super Bowl champ. Mm-hmm. Dwayne Woodruff, Pittsburgh defensive back for the entire 80s, Super Bowl champ. Bobby Mitchell was the Hall of Fame All-Pro, uh, Cleveland and Washington. Tony Richardson, oh, fullback, man. 16-year career. He was a baller. Kansas City, Minnesota, and the Jets. Right. He blocked for Priest. Holmes, Larry Johnson, Adrian Peterson, and Thomas Jones. Yep. He had like a like 10-year, 11-year stretch of all 1,000-yard runners. Yes. Another fullback. And he could catch the ball to the backfield. He was another a good fullback that would never have a chance in the Hall of Fame because no. fullbacks don't get in. You know who wore 49 before he switched to 31? Bernard Pollard. Huh, he I remember that. He wore 49 when yeah. he tore Brady's ACL. Yeah, when he was and in I wonder City. I wonder if he switched numbers because of that. No. Because everyone saw he was the 31 that, no, you don't think so? No, I don't. He was a great safety, and for a long time he was just known as the guy that broke, that tore yes. Brady's ACL. What's funny is he also ruined another Super Bowl run of the Patriots as well, if you remember. I don't. When the Patriots went on to lose to the Giants the second time, he was the one that, remember, kind of horse-collar tackled Gronkowski and hurt his ankle to where Gronkowski couldn't really play worth a damn in the Super Bowl. And Gronk still played pretty he well. He played. He did all right, but he could he wasn't the same Gronk. He still almost caught that at the end. Right. I didn't know what Frederick right. is doing. Taking you know one thing, just on the fullback thing, again, you know what's so funny is three out of the four teams left in this this whole thing, they use the fullback like yeah. more than any teams in football. Which ones? Like Devlin when, for the Patriots. Yeah. When, when are they gonna, for the Jaguars. Right. And then the, the Vikings will throw out the fullback as well. I can't remember his freaking name off the top of my head, but just to me, again, here we go. This, you know, the Saints like to use fullbacks. Right. A lot of the top offenses used fullbacks. Falcons did. Right. Last year, they were one of the tops. Interesting. And then the last nobody knows how to defend it. They're all like, "I've only been against spread since high school and college, and what a fullback! Oh my gosh!" It is crazy to me. Every time I would see a big play, especially in the Kyle offense, where the fullback just slips out. The Jaguars Pittsburgh game was the perfect example. Fullback up the middle at them, and they just let him go. Vince Williams thought he was going to block him. He went to his knees. He fell down on his face because he was like, "Oh God, I get ready for a car crash!" What? He went right by me for a touchdown. Last one, maybe the best athlete turned actor. Dwayne Johnson, take a back seat. Athlete turned actor. Yes. Okay. Damn, is this obvious? Am I like... Yeah, because if I, if I say any of the movies he's in, you're going to get it. Really? Yeah. Athlete turned actor. I'm missing this one. I know it's like, damn, give me one movie. You, know, you got a movie for me? Chubbs. Damn, Chubbs. That's not the movie. That was his character. Oh, all right. Go ahead. Just tell me before we waste any more time. <laughs> Apollo here. Creed. Damn. Carl Weathers. Carl Damn. Weathers were 49. I wasn't going to get that. I scour through these numbers, right. and I only look for guys that had a big impact, and I went, Carl Weathers. Yeah. Carl Weathers, Apollo Creed, Chubbs from Happy Gilmore. He was right. a predator. He's been amazing. Like I, I a- still, to this day, will laugh out loud on the scene where he loses his, his fake hand, hand and, and then he goes he, into the he will, road. No, and then Billy Madison or Happy Gilmore turns around and goes, okay, I'm going to go now, you know, and he goes and goes to shake his hand <laughs> and, and does like the, the fake shake. <laughs> he does the fake shake because like, there's no hand there, and he goes, okay. Uh, I like when it goes in the road and he goes, it's indestructible, and then like a whole truck goes over it. Uh, Major League Baseball, we got a Yankee and a Red Sox, Rob Guidry Mm. and Tim Wakefield. Uh, I really only have quick Kyle Shanahan because I kind of want to go through. Ron Guidry, right? Ron Gidget. Yeah, what did I say? Rob. My bad, Ron. Yeah, okay. uh, Kyle Shannon is our favorite coach in the NFL. Only thing I was going to say is that his his momentary coach, Ken Norton Jr., became the Seattle defensive coordinator after one week with the Niners. Seattle, making changes, making moves. 
after I mean Raiders fans right now are dying of laughter. Yeah, I mean Ken Norton Jr. got a job after what happened in Oakland. It's a little interesting, certainly, because the defense was not great in Oakland, and and the thing that I would worry about, like we've said many times, is Ken Norton's. Uh, you know, coaching of coverages down the field. Like, I always questioned whether if he knew all the rules of that Seattle defense. He'll have Pete Carroll there with him and other guys on the staff that know the scheme, so maybe that helps him out. I like the Schottenheimer higher. I'm not like, yeah. I think it's an upgrade. I really do. I think it's more of a style of football that's going to fit Russell Wilson and what mm. Pete Carroll probably wants to do. We're recording this on a Wednesday. The big news and note that I just saw was that I, Todd Haley was let go. Oh, he was, right? Yes. Yep. Uh, big. Uh, just a quick note. Uh, in Big Ben's career on fourth and one, he converted 18 of 19, the highest success rate of any player with more than 10 attempts since 2004. Right. They went 0-2 on Sunday. I know that's something you want to talk to Big Phil on later, that the quarterback Well, I just is, hate, yeah, I hate, I hate, you know, everyone, oh, oh, Hall of Fame quarterback can't check to the quarterback sneak. I mean, yeah, they can't. Have you not, I mean, players follow rules. They do what they're coached to do. It's not part of what they do. Yeah. Quarterback sneaks are not what Pittsburgh does. You know, they haven't had to. They've had Le'Veon Bell and things like that. You know, the real question is, why didn't they run it up the fucking middle behind one of the best guards and centers in football with one of the best running backs in football? That would be the real question. We're going to get to that in news and notes. I went through Sims's game notes where he has all four games, and it's got some really interesting stuff. I went through and compared the three best defenses that are currently playing. Oh, yeah, I'm Minnesota, Jackson, Philly, right. to Seattle 2013, Baltimore 2000, Tampa Bay 2012, Chicago 05, Pittsburgh 05. And Denver fifteen. Say those again. I found those to be the six best defense, best defense in the last Tampa, seven. Tampa 2002. Yeah, you said yep. two thousand twelve. Okay. Tampa o uh, two, Baltimore two thousand, Seattle twenty thirteen, Denver twenty fifteen, Chicago o five, and Pittsburgh o eight. And I updated my left coast statistics, so I have that. Cool. Uh, and then I also went and got snap counts for all the defensive lines because I find that to be interesting. Huh. We are going super fucking in the weeds because mm. what we also learned this week is that people don't watch fucking football. No. The amount of people that are tweeting opinions and takes to me that are absolutely fucking asinine is crazy. And it really does start with Blake Bortles, who apparently Good Morning Football called a franchise quarterback, and a whole lot of places are saying that he's a bona fide superstar. Did you learn that this week, that no one really watches? Definitely. It was a lesson to, I mean, it was a lesson to me. I mean, it certainly was. I mean... You know, I mean, I got I got on Levitard on on Tuesday, and they were like, "Oh, we put a poll out there. Who had a worse weekend, you or Marcus Williams?" And I was like, "Damn, I had a bad weekend." I was like, "I was like, my, my, I had a great weekend. I enjoyed I went the games. three and one against my picks. Yeah, three and four. I mean, the three out of the four games were great." And they were like, "Well, Marcus Williams won." And they were like, "Yes, but Twitter killed you." And I was, "Oh no, oh the Twitterverse killed me. All the know nothings on Twitter. All the people who know shit about football. In fact, all the people who are sitting." They're tweeting as the game's going on, looking up occasionally when they go, whoa, big play. And they go, oh, yeah, I, I understand everything that went on. Yeah, let me get back to tweeting. Oh, those people, I don't give a damn. You're idiots. What's incredible about that is my number one issue with people on Twitter is they literally will tweet, whoa, big play. And they'll miss the play because they're like, oh, shit, my uh, brain. Apparently yeah, they all missed the game. Uh, by the way, speaking of Marcus Williams, everyone was like, is that the best divisional game ever? Once that came to mind, 
The two Rogers Hail Marys that mm-hmm. we had two years ago in Arizona was pretty awesome. Right. The Dez play was a great game, Cowboys-Packers. Uh, 2011 Saints 49ers, mm. where there was four touchdowns in the last five minutes of yep. that game. I think all those, every game you've mentioned is better than the Saint, this past game. 2012 Broncos-Ravens that right. ended with Flacco going deep to Jacoby Jones. Oh, that was amazing. And then Steelers-Colts 2005, where Big Ben had that crazy tackle, tackle on the, on the Jerome Bettis fumble. Right. Just those are, are some of the better divisional ones. I thought it was a very good game. Yeah, it had the best ending of all. Of I, it's them. being overrated just because of the last play, and I understand the end of the game was really good too. But you know, I, yeah, I did not look at that as a whole. To me, still, the, the Pittsburgh Jaguar game was the best game of the weekend. To me, it was the most fun to watch. The game yeah. I was more most you know, uh, I guess surprised by. It went away that I did not think. I mean, I didn't think it was going to be forty five, forty two. Of course. Mm. Um, and I just thought it was a more entertaining game. You say that you didn't predict the Jags to beat the Steelers. Let's get this volume up because back in July, you're being painted right now and we are being painted as Jaguars haters, which is fucking crazy because no one has said the Jaguars more have been complimentary. More I've been trying to com- tell people that like this conversation started because I was saying they were the best team in football. July 7th, we are interviewing Malik Jackson. And we talked to him about Doug Marone, and this is what you told him July seventh. Gonna have a few. Marone's got you. people nervous, man. Yeah, I mean, why has, do you think New? Why do you I think? Can, yeah, I can see. Why do you think I'm New sweating. England wants to scrimmage you guys? New England, I'm telling you, New England's scared of you guys. New England only scrimmages the team they're scared of. I work there. They want to first look at you guys and Doug Marone. First of all, they were so happy Doug Marone left Buffalo. Yeah, because he was in the AFC East and they didn't want to deal with him. Mm-hmm. Well, the New England coaching tree, Bill Parcells, Belichick, they look really highly on Doug Marone. Okay. I'm so mad you guys are scrimmaging against New England. I wouldn't do it. Yeah, they're, we think that Belichick steals everybody's stuff. Well, I mean. They want to get not... a look in case they have to play you in the playoffs to just get a feel for your speed because they know they don't have to play you in the regular season. Yeah, I mean. And, that, and then he went on to say, yeah, we want to study them too. They want to get a look at you in case they play you for the playoffs to get the team speed. Fast forward six months. Here we are. Here we fucking are. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, yep. Um, let's see. There was one-on-ones with Amendola versus Jalen Ramsey. Let's go back and watch and see the routes he wasn't great at defending and A.J. Bouye. And let's see the issues they had in practice with little things and see if we can expand on those little schemes that we did that the Jaguars had a hard time in practice against. I mean, again, I understand it because the Jaguars and Marone at the time, this is why it's not stupid on their part. It was a building block. He's trying to go like, listen, we're going to go against the best. And if we want to be the best, you're going to see how they prepare and approach practice on a daily basis. So so I understand their thought, but it's just, it's dicey with Bill, man. Bill is a mastermind. I mean, he's a mastermind. Yes. He's just brilliant, brilliant person. The vision to be six months down the road. Is is hard to fathom. He knows he hadn't had a good look at him, and he knew, man, they're talented. And Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone are there now, and holy cow, what's going on? Uh, yes. So there, the New England staff is legitimately rewatching that practice and making tweaks to the playbook based on things they see. I don't see. think they're. I mean, listen, things are very vanilla at that stage still, but they're still going to have a good feel for things that they thought maybe were weaknesses of yep. the Jaguars in certain areas, right? They're, oh, we saw him in person. He's not, you know, hey, this guy's not good at this. Yeah. This guy's not good at that. Okay, and it just gives them a little sense of 
really just comfort yep. to go, okay, we know what to expect when we yeah. walk on the field. I read an amazing article from Connor Orr, shout out to Connor, who wrote about following the exact letter of the law of the book that Bill Belichick's dad wrote about how to scout. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is so much of it was not the plays. It was pay attention to how they leave the huddle. Pay attention to who communicates with who. Right. Which leg do they favor? One of the first things I was taught when I broke down film up there. Because I'd be like, what? What? You, what? Like, I was like, man, I can't tell. Who's, what are my keys? Or who's at fault here? And they were like, well, did you go back and look at these plays and see like who's talking to each other before the snap, mm-hmm. after the snap? You know, little things like that do. They help you piece it together. And so I feel like that's the stuff where you walk into their facility, and I feel like they're monitoring everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they even had a little piss gauge hidden and they tracked their urine just to be sure, it wouldn't surprise me. Oh, I, I was. Scared to talk about anything in that building. I was like, damn, there's got to be a microphone <laughs> under here somewhere. He uh, knows but what I'm saying. You talked about Jacksonville not thinking they were going to get here. Right. As I was waiting for your hit on Levitard, I heard three different ESPN personalities deem a different team a team of destiny. The Eagles got it. The Vikings got it. The Jaguars got it. And I realized all of these teams think they're the team of destiny. And when you're the team of destiny, it feels like a freaking movie script. So I went through, and uh, I have a little movie trailer for each of the four teams. And I'd like you to tell me which one you'd like to watch. I need to drink water because I'm going into movie voice, okay. and it fucking kills me. Okay. So you wait. You want me to pick which one to start with? We're going to start off with the Vikings. Okay. Okay. We want to know which one you want to watch the most at oh, the end. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> Lost at sea. Dreaming of home. 49 years since achieving greatness. It's a great song, by yards the way. of miracle to guide them. Their leader foregoes his eye patch to witness the purple rain. Their quarterback, the feisty general, to lead them there. Year after year of missed kicks and unjust elimination, it's time to sail home. Coming to theaters this spring. Okay, name of the Vikings movie is Sail Home. Uh, sail away. Okay, next one. <laughs> that was Enya, right? That was uh, from the Lord of the Rings soundtrack. Zenya. I'm not going to lie. Most of these are Hans Zimmer, who's the fucking boss. What do you mean? Hans Zimmer? He's the composer. That's Enya. Okay, I don't know. I know. She did the Lord of the Rings. I'm okay, telling okay. you, I know. Shut up. Go this ahead. W- this one, you tell me who this is. Okay. Down this hallway is a secret. In one room, a quarterback fighting to stay young. In another, an owner fighting for his love. And finally, a coach willing to do anything. When the doors open, a trophy is near. But what's happening when the doors are closed? (laughs) Coming to theaters this spring, the Garoppolo Motel. <laughs> that is the New England Patriots. <laughs> That's a good one. I like it. Okay. All right, next one up. I'm not going to tell you the are, name Are anymore. you really sw- – well, it's down to two. Uh, and you didn't tell me the name that time, buddy. I figured it out. Uh, <laughs> Look at Lefko's forehead I mean, right he's now. Sweating. He's sweating. He's not even bear Jew. He's polar bear Jew. I mean, that's what I got to start calling him. I, I can't it's handle it. It's freezing in here. I, I'm getting excited. <laughs> I get fucking excited. All right, that one, though, was from 
the Blue Planet 2 soundtrack. Oh, this good, next one it's a good movie. is good from show, Batman vs. Superman. Ooh. Just when you thought it was safe to run, they got bigger, faster, meaner. They got Marone. <laughs> That's awesome. Fast and deadly, ruthless and loud, with a running back that punishes and a quarterback that is occasionally adequate, you have entered the Jaguar Pit. Coming to theaters next spring. Saxonville. Saxonville. That was a great voice. I loved it. That was like awesome. That I love the Marone thing. The Marone line this is, is awesome. Marone. Marone. All right, I got to take another. I'm not gonna lie. Upon first reading of the Eagles one, I cried. Like a little. Like I'm not even kidding. Like I got a little emotional. Oh my god. Shut the fuck Holy up. Shit. Let me handle this. He's writing. Give it to us. Crying about his own writing now. My my dad. My dad. <laughs> my dad literally called me and was like, "If the Eagles get in, I'm gonna meet you in Minnesota." And I'm like, "Don't put this pressure on me. I don't need this right now." All right. All right, Nick, here we go. I hope he cries. All seemed lost, the savior disappearing in a single dive. But underneath the rubble of broken dreams laid a man, forgotten by thousands suddenly sent to save millions, with an incredible defense at his back and a city's hopes on his fingertips. He prepares to fly to a mountain unseen by any eagle. And if he is successful to claim that crown, he shall forever be Nick fucking Foles. Coming to a theater on February fucking 4th. <laughs> I'm getting emotional. <laughs> Uh, so those are the four movie trailers. No, they were good. They yeah, were good. good. I don't know. I mean, I mean, which one would you say? Oh, probably the Jaguars one. <laughs> the Jaguars one was great. <laughs> this is Marone. Uh, uh, I'm so fucking excited. This is. I, I thought about the podcast. We were all over Minnesota before anybody else. The Eagles are my squad. We were all over Jacksonville before anyone else. And I think we've talked about the Patriots more than any other team on this podcast. Yes. It's the four teams that we've picked all along. Yes. Like, if it was the Falcons and the the Titans. The Rams. I mean, that would be disappointing. We would would look stupid. Yeah. All right. So, I compared uh, the defenses all time. How much time do we have before we're supposed to get your dad It's 414. I told him 420. I mean, I can bump it back. He doesn't have a job. So, I looked at it. I'm going to hand you this chart in a second. The first thing I realized comparing to the all-time defenses is, holy shit, the Baltimore 2000 defense is far and away the best of all time, and it's not even close. You're shaking your head, obviously. They had they allowed the lowest points per game, ten point three. They allowed the least rushing yards per game in sixty point six, and no one is even else lower than seventy nine. And their turnovers. They forced forty seven turnovers. Nobody is above thirty six. They recovered twenty four fumbles. No one's over eleven. Their defense is incredible. Incredible. Now, when I look at everything else, these three defenses, Minnesota, Jacksonville, and Philadelphia, only let up less points than the fifteen Broncos. So every other defense that's on this great list let up less points than them. Jacksonville, out of all of the teams, let up the most rushing yards. Right. So that is a little flaw for them as yes. they've allowed 116.3 rushing yards a game. Right. No one else is above 102. Right. 102.3 with Chicago. 
Philadelphia, out of all of these teams, let up the most passing yards. Yes. 227.3. No one else is above 200. Right. Everything so that's matching. That's the flaw in, right there. Everything Jag- matching well, in your brain so far? Yeah. I mean, the Jaguar, you're talking about nobody else. What are you saying when nobody else was over 200? So you're talking about the Vikings and the Jags, or so anybody else on that? No the whole one else list? of all the history of wow. all those best defenses and those teams. No one allowed 200 yards per game, right. except for the Eagles' current defense. Okay, and what, who uh, out of those past defenses, who was the best one? I just would be interested. The best past defense was Tampa Bay in 2002. Yeah, they let up just over 155 yards per game. Currently, this year, the, Jacksonville two with 169.9, 169. right? and they're actually be three. Right behind Pittsburgh 08, Ooh. which was 156.9. Okay. And then Seattle would be right after them from 2013 with 172. So funny, yeah. What's so funny about it? Just funny, you know, the like the first two you said there, uh, they had... Tampa Bay and Seattle? Yeah, you know, I mean, really, Tampa Bay, Seattle, scheme. and Jacksonville, yeah, it's the same kind of thing. It's just like, this is what we do. We're really good. Screw you. Let's see if you can do it. Baltimore was... Kind of like that, but had always a few creative things every game, too, which is why I would say they were even more dominant. Like if Jacksonville had like three or four really creative schemes every game where I went, oh, shit, I've never seen them do that. Yeah, I would go watch out. But what's funny is I feel care. like you always say this when talking about defenses, the teams that get too creative yes. are the ones that give up a lot. Right. And the teams that are really good at their base handle it well. No doubt. Uh, sacks. Jacksonville, out of all of these teams, has the most sacks, 55. These are regular season stats, by the way. I find it very interesting that the least out of all of the teams was the 2000 Ravens. Right, right. I'm not shocked by that. They didn't have great pass rushers. They had gigantic killers up front Mm. who would just push the pocket, make you feel uncomfortable. Nobody was open. Oh, shit, I'm going to throw it away. Interception, Ray Lewis. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Minnesota and Philadelphia really haven't had that many sacks this year compared to the rest of the league. And then Minnesota has forced the least amount of turnovers compared to everybody else by a pretty good margin. They have only forced 18 turnovers this year. Yeah. Everybody else is, is well over 20. The lowest compared to them would be the Broncos in 2015 with 24. Minnesota's numbers are extremely similar to Denver's defense in 2015 when you go everything um, except for the turnovers. That's really it. Everything else is super similar. Yeah. But if you want to take a look at this and see if there's any yeah, other numbers. I, yeah, I mean, that's just interesting, too. I mean, you know, Minnesota, the, that Denver team had a better D-line. It was deeper, right? So they can just send waves at you. And they had guys like Malik Jackson and Von Miller on the defense right. and DeMarcus Ware. That's right. where they have a, a notch above this Minnesota defense. And then again... The Wade Phillips factor I look at. Like Wade is a week to week game planner. You can't always just go, no, this is what they do. We're gonna he's going to change a few things specifically for how you play him. And that's to me, you know, that that can help you out. Shut a team out in the Super Bowl and take over a game with your defense. We've talked so much about the Vikings defensive line and snaps. You looked it over and see if anything else is interesting. Yeah. But in terms of the snaps, Everson Griffin has played the most snaps out of any player or the most p- highest percentage of snaps of any player that's left of the four teams from the defensive line. It never comes out. It's a serious concern going forward. So let me, let me explain this and to you. And it's funny you wrote this. So Everson Griffin yeah. and Daniil Hunter. Right. Uh, Everson Griffin's played 79.4% of the snaps. Daniil Hunter has played 77.59. If you want to compare this to the Eagles, Fletcher Cox has played the highest percentage for the Eagles, and he's played almost 59%. There you go. So the Eagles go 59, 56, 49, 
39-48, and that's Fletcher Cox, Vinnie Curry, Timmy Jernigan, Chris Long. The depth. Vikings go 79-78-68-67, and that's Everson Griffin, Daniil Hunter, Tom Johnson, Linval Joseph. And then it goes down to Shamar Steven who won't play because he's hurt, yep. and he was playing 39% of snaps. And the next guy was Steve, Steven oh, Weatherly. Weatherly. He was playing 9% of snaps. Where's Robeson? He's not on there? Uh, I didn't see Robeson. Okay, he so must be on there. Up. I must have messed yeah, him up. Okay, it's all right. Either way. So he, that's a concern for the Vikings or for Griffin specifically? No, I mean, all both. Both. Uh, I mean, Griffin, he fell off towards the end of the year. I mean, and really hasn't been really the guy we saw early he's in the year. too much. He's done. He's cooked. I mean, that's what happened to them in the Saints game. The Saints game, long drive in the third quarter. They got a touchdown. The very next play, Case Keenum threw an interception. They were right back on the field after one play. It was 10 minutes. They were on the field for like 10 minutes combined of real-time play. Mm. And they wore out. And they got nothing. And it might not matter this week against the Vikings, but a big picture, I think about the freaking Super Bowl and go, damn, if they have to play New England in the Super Bowl... They're going to be cooked. You know, the Eagles playing the Eagles. It's not yeah, a big yeah. deal this weekend against. It's the not Eagles. a good big right. deal. But yes, but New England will do what Hurry they up. did to the Tennessee Titans last exactly. week. Oh, you only play four guys. Well, screw you. We're going to run a hundred plays and just wear you out and play sixty through a hundred. You guys will suck, and we'll be able to do yep. whatever we want. Well, New England's playing Jacksonville. Right. Jacksonville, three of their D linemen played over seventy percent of the snaps. Calais Campbell, Malik. Yannick Ngakwe, and Malik Jackson. Right. Uh, by the way, Calais Campbell and Trey Flowers actually played more snaps than Everson Griffin. Okay. Like 10 or 11 more snaps. Uh, but they also had Avery Jones, who played 47%. They still have Dante Fowler. Right. And then Marcel Darius throws all the numbers off. Because yeah. if he was there from the beginning, right. all the numbers probably would have been a lot right. more evened out. You know, and I have no, like, those guys, like, you know, you say the Calais Campbell. Like, Calais Campbell and Trey Flowers' games are different than, like, a guy like Everson Griffin. Everson Griffin's like a, you know, he's a... Cayenne Turbo, right? Like the the mid mid size, you know, four door Porsche Cayenne, right? Yeah, let's do some a car turbo. comparisons. Right, that's what he is. Like he's kind of a high performance big body. And if you're asking him to get off the line and go zero to sixty a hundred times a game, that's different. Calais Campbell, he's got a lot of snaps where he just gets to stand up and go, "Oh, I'm big. You're yeah. not gonna move me." Right. And it's a different pl- way of playing. You got a car comparison for Calais, or Man, like uh, he's like the, he's like a he's like a Cadillac SUV, like the the long. Body one, okay. whatever. <laughs> uh, and then the Patriots, so Trey Flowers played nearly 76% of snaps, yep. but then their numbers go 55 for Lawrence Guy, mm. 51 for Dietrich Wise, 51 for Malcolm Brown, 45 for Adam Butler. Right. So they kind of even it out. Right. And then Alan Branch has been hurt, which will right. be another big thing this week to see if where he he's comes at. back. Right. I just found those numbers. I looked at the Vikings, and it was the it was the craziest drop off yes. from their starters to their backups. Right, and then the Eagles clearly the lowest leader in most of those things. The Eagles are so spread out. I didn't even write down Derek Burnett um, and then some of the other guys that play for them. your team. Yeah, Bo Allen and all that. Yeah. All right, let's get a big fill on the line. It's really hey. some of those stats out of the way. Anything else popping out to you for those all time defenses? Man, I'm just kind of just getting my good look here. Man, that Baltimore defense, though, holy cow. Isn't it unbelievable? It's unreal. It really is. You know, gosh, just the fumbles, the turnovers. I mean, you couldn't do crap against them. You couldn't do anything. No. 
They really had it all going on. I'm just going to update the other left coast stats. I redid, including the end of the season, red zone, offense, defense, sacks, pass attempts, and time of possession. New England, just like they did last year, improved in every single category in the last few weeks of the season. Jacksonville's red zone offense got better, but they got less turnovers. Philadelphia sacks, they stopped getting as many, but the last two games throws off that. And Minnesota's red zone offense got a lot better towards the end of the season. Huh. Yeah. Did the red zone offense got better? It did. Better. They started to figure it out. Big I love Phil. those stats. Give me some more numbers. <laughs> well, we've been we actually put them on a piece of paper so I can really put them to good use. No, you know we I mean? do. We actually do. We got them in front of us. Well, we were really talking about you know the three great defenses that are left this this year, right? Minnesota, Jacksonville, Philadelphia. And right. Lefko does this great stat breakdown where he compares them to the great defenses we've seen here in recent history. Seattle 13, Baltimore 2000, Tampa Bay 02, Denver 15, Chicago 05. He threw them in there even though you know they didn't go anywhere in the playoffs. And then Pittsburgh 08. But um, it's interesting. You know, Jacksonville, of course, matches up in certain areas, but man, yeah, that Baltimore defense, when you see the stats in front of you, that 2000 Baltimore defense, what jumps up to you about that when you were covering that? Because you did that like Raiders, Baltimore, Ravens, AFC championship game, right? Uh, yes, I did. Right. I did the Super Bowl that year too. Right. The New York Giants. And you looked at it and you just thought, okay, where are you going to make a play? Right. And it was impossible. They looked the part. They were the part. They were very well coached. And, you know, you you got to think of it in many ways. I can't remember all the guys on the team. I think Tony Saragusa was one of the interior. Yeah, McCrary, you know, who yeah. was the, the big guy in the middle, the big uh, – they had another – Sam Adams? Sam Adams yeah. is in there too, right. Oh, my God. So there you go. Wait. So Ray Lewis had a – A free path. A wall that you could not <laughs> right. penetrate in front of him. Right, right. And Ed Reed was arguably, in my mind, of all the film that I've watched in my life, he might be the best safety I've ever watched. Well, him and Troy Polamalu. Yes. But I don't know. Wait, but, Ed, I don't think Ed was there yet, though, just so you remember. Oh, he wasn't. He, he wasn't I think he was, there yet. He okay. was there like two years from there. But that was still, they had, you know. Um, Chris McAllister. Chris McAllister. Peter Bulware. Yes, right. And we're missing Rod Woodson, dad. Wow. Oh, my God. Dwayne yeah, Starks. Right. Remember yeah, him? Was great. Right. Yes. Uh, Jamie Sharper at linebacker. Jamie Sharper. Peter Bulware. And then their their other defense end was Rob Burnett. Man, so they just bludgeoned yeah. people up front. Yeah, they did. Yeah. They were incredible. It's Ray Lewis. He talks about it all the time. And he, we had fun with him last night on Showtime. I said, you know, he, he would say, hey, look, offense. And he was getting on Trent Dilfer. Trent, we just need three points. Okay, <laughs> just get three. And, you know, I mean, he was like, wow. such." Re-. I said, you know, he did more than just got you three, Ray. He made – he played – the position that was the hardest quarterback position I've seen in a long time. Right. Because he got to throw it so little, and they did so little in the passing game. Yep. And when they warned him, what's third name? Make us a throw. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, so it was that kind of thing. And only a veteran quarterback can play that role. Well, I think it's. and, And be successful doing it. I think it's an interesting parallel to what we have going on with Jacksonville right now. And I'm curious, Phil, when you look back at it, Right now, it's become this huge storyline about Blake and the team and all that stuff. And I remember now it's a line, oh, well, Trenton Dilfer won. Quarterbacking is not that important. How was the storyline back then? Was Trent feeling a lot of pressure when the rest of the team was that good? What was it like back then compared to Blake now? 
Yeah, no, I don't think he was. I really don't. You got to remember, he came in and took the place of oh shoot, who's the big uh, Tony Banks? Tony Banks, right? So you know, he was looked upon as the savior. So uh. I think they viewed it in a very positive way because Tony Banks just had so many struggles and everything like that. I kept even I was covering him that year, going, when are they going to make the change? Right. So when they finally did, you know, even though I'm sure Trent's numbers weren't great or whatever. But it, it kind of put the team at ease, and it all seemed to fit. Yeah. And Blake Bortles, you know, it's it, it's look. Last week, he was he batted a thousand. Right. He batted a thousand. He threw the ball to the right person every single play. Yep. Did he miss a couple throws? Yes. But he still did that, and it just goes to show you when they there's many ways to look at it. Managing the game, which they did great, right? And when they're running it well, all the plays came. Most of them came off of play action. Yep. And they were, you know, hey, look, Nate Hackett. Yeah. He called some play action passes at exactly the right time, and they busted that Pittsburgh defense up. Yep. No but doubt. this week, we all know. I hope you know, it won't be the same. No. I expect New England's not going to let a swing game. route to T.J. Yeldon go for forty yards. Say that again? I said New England's not going to let swing routes to T.J. Yeldon go for 40 yards. Well, that would probably be the one play I'd say he might have made the wrong decision because the, the play coming underneath, the wide receiver was open. Yes. But he was not going to take a chance at all, which is that Smart. Was pretty good. Right. And he threw it to the left, He so that was great. But I think New England, if you remember the Buffalo playoff game, will play a little bit like that on defense. In other words, just – Everybody fly to the football, and New England's good enough to play these receivers one-on-one, yep. in my mind, without question. Yep. Buffalo did it, so can New England. Yep, right. So that'll be, that'll be it's just one of the little things of the game. It's Hey, these two games this weekend, there are so many good matchups right? of watching players against other players. I don't even know where to start. All right, let's start there. Yeah, where I was going to go somewhere else, but okay. What would, I'm, I'm going to have fun with you. We're just going to talk ball here. I don't even know the answers myself here. We're just going to figure it out on the fly. Who would you throw on Gronk? Like If he splits out a receiver, are you going to throw Jalen Ramsey on him or are you going to throw Miles Jack on him? Uh, oh, no, I'm going to leave Jalen Ramsey out there on him. You're going to treat him like a receiver. what you're going to do. Right. You know, so that's interesting. I'm actually going to go look. Has Jalen Ramsey ever gone inside and covered a tight end this year? I don't I, I remember tight ends. I'm to get the answer. I haven't yet, but I am going to watch him play Seattle. Did he cover Jimmy Graham at all? That's the only one I can really think of that maybe they did it. I'm going to say no. Yeah, but. I think he got him maybe stuck on him a few times, but not man-to-man. Like, they just happened to put Jimmy out on his side, right, where where Jalen usually lines up if they just Do play their – Well, then that tells you most likely when they did it, well, it's different. Seattle's a different offense. Yes. But if New England does it and he goes out there and covers him – it's guaranteed it's going to be some type of zone. Right. I was going to say, do you think if they if they have like some keys, do you think the Patriots could have some keys? If they see Ramsey one-on-one on Gronk and they go, let's shift into something to take advantage of that? Well, they'll, they'll have a plan of attack, whether they want it. But Dad's right. You don't know if it's definitely man with Jacksonville. Jacksonville plays that Seattle scheme. So right. it yeah. looks like it's man sometimes, but it's really three-deep zone. Mm. But they will throw man in there, certainly. Because they can. They, they can. And that's when it'll get interesting. Keep rapid fire with your dad. Okay, re- rapid fire. Well, yeah, with- no, let me just say this. Yeah. Is Tom Brady going to throw the football to the outside of the field against Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Bouye? I think he will. I would say no. 
Really? No. I just. Why would you do that? Having been in New England, you're exactly right. That's what they would say. They would go have my well, time in New England with Josh. They would go. Let's not even mess with that. We can find other ways to get easier completions. Mm. Yes, I mean they got many ways. They look just to say you're going to do. Adam, oh, let's do this to Gronk. Well, good luck. Let's see what formation. Where's he going to line up? Where's he moving to? Right. Nobody moves people around more than New England. They really and do. go back and watch them play the Tennessee Titans. They didn't block them up front anything special. No. But, man, it was like, where's the ball? It was right. like, oh, it's a fake, it's a fake. It's You're right. It's a screen. Right. 30 yeah. yards later. Yes. Yeah, re- everything. Reading Chris's notes were great. <laughs> yeah, I wrote one a lot of... Things are given. Yes. I'm sorry. All right, no, that's good. When they're going to throw it down the field right. on a real pass, right. what are they going to do? They're going to go down the middle somewhere, crossing yeah, yeah, routes, deep crossers. Keep, yeah, that's the, I know it's it's such a leading question. I like, I got gotcha. you. Okay. Um, <laughs> They're going to keep an extra blocker in. They're going to chip yeah, right. the ends. They're going to have a tight end. The running back's going to stay. What, whatever. When Brady throws a drop-back pass down the field, they're going to protect him. They're right. not going to put all their offensive linemen, and surely they won't this week, against these rushers. Right, like Joe because Thune. Joe Thune week, versus these guys. Like what, you know, That's the thing I look at, too. Who are they going to line up with Joe Thune on third and eight? Man, you who, know who well, would you do? Malik, Calais, Campbell. I'm just throwing it out there. I don't know who I do either. No, I think it's it, it. It probably will be Malik. Right. Most of the time, Calais is always outside Malik. If my just that's my perception. Yeah. When they're both on the same side, I love it. But that could mean a lot of things. They could run a game, and then Malik is uh, uh, Calais would be on Joe Tooney. So that'll be interesting. So it'll be interesting to see the protections. I think they'll try to move everything that way to help them. Whatever they got to do, I saw them do it against Tennessee a few times, switched up stuff, and it worked out great. Led to wide-open players, stuff, great calls on the goal line. Tom Brady changed the play, those type of things. So, but, hey, Ngakwe, they're going to have to help on him. Yep. And Calais Campbell, you know, his numbers he had this year, they lie. They lie. Yeah, they were better. The truth. Yeah. He was much better than right. those numbers. Right. And I don't even know what his numbers ended up. You know why? Because I don't care. Yes. Yeah. No, he was. So you, he was. He was going to be sitting there and doing what? Why didn't I get to play this way with the Cardinals? Right. Mm. So and you're you're in the Belichick camp of our numbers are for losers. Uh, yes, I I you know I tell you not a surprise. I, I can say some weeks I don't look at one single number the whole week when I watch every game in the NFL. Right. I might look at the final stats. I go up on the thing. Oh, okay. There's the numbers he completed. They ran for 100. Okay, big deal. I don't care. And then I watch the game, and then I draw my opinions accordingly on concepts, what I perceive, and do it that way. Right. I'm not a numbers guy. I never have been. And um, it's a little late in life to change, so I probably never will be. All right. What about uh, any other matchups? You know, just, okay. Well, go I, to the other game. I, okay. Go to the other Give game. Give my game Okay. Some All right. Just I will. Oh, I'm going to well, go what there. What game is that, Adam? Well, it's he's the an Eagles, Eagles fan. Game, Sims. Oh. I know that. I just was kind of just, you know. What jumps out to you there? You know, anything that matchup wise where you just go, ooh, this could be an issue? Like, oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. The the, the game. It, it, hey, first, it might be first one to 10 wins. Right. Exactly. It's going to be brutal. Yeah. I can't wait. I mean, I, I'm, I did it last week. I got to take the game on TV and come home and start it late because I'm driving home from the studio because we got the first game on Sunday. Yep, right. I don't know if I can make it because I always, ah, well, let me just list it. I'll go back and watch it later. <laughs> but, um, but the first one that jumps out is, 
you've got to look at Minnesota's offensive line, and you've got to look at Hill, the right tackle. Yeah. And he really struggled against the New Orleans defense, the edge rushers. And, man, the, the, the Eagles, yeah. you, you know what, their front seven, that's the biggest, thickest, roughest group in the NFL, maybe. Yeah. They, they are. Right. Their Deep. linebackers are huge. You know, Jacksonville's different. Their linebackers are all kind of speed and lean, and, hey, they could almost be running backs the way they look. But, boy, so that, that, that's going to be interesting to see. Can they block Brandon Graham? Oh, Brandon needs a break. Well, let's bring in Chris Long and see how that works out. Right. I mean, that's, that's a pretty good backup. They, you know, they, uh, Vinnie Curry is like a little secret on the other side. Yes, he is. I, he's impressive. He gets, nobody cares. And, of course, you know, Fletcher Cox is he's, he's awesome. I don't know. I don't know where I put him in the NFL as one of the top players, but he's way up there. No matter who you're talking about, quarterbacks or whatever, definitely he is top that big of a difference maker in my mind. Yeah. All right. So I mean, do you do you want to? I'm, I'm, I didn't really intend to go this whole route. You want to? You want to pick games and scores? You want to do that? Or are you? Oh my uh... gosh. Well, well, I think I can try it. You know, now last week I'm so mad. I picked Atlanta because I had to pick the Dolphins. He was mad during the week, I know, because I was like, I picked the Eagles. He's like, oh, I wanted to pick the Eagles. I had to pick that damn game yesterday. <laughs> I know. And then I came home, and then I started watching tape, and I go, oh, my gosh, Atlanta, this this defensive front. of the Here's what's really cool about the Eagles for you. Yeah, okay. The Eagle fan, Adam. Yeah. Is there – we know about them up front, but as it's going along here, they've really got it organized behind them. And, you know, you can say what you want. Jalen Mills and Darby, yeah. they're playing well. And, you know, they're, they got that little thing in them, too, especially Darby. They're not afraid to take a chance and a big thing, a big chance to, to win a game. So, you know, when I say that, that means there's a chance you could get beat deep, maybe. Right. But they're not afraid to run in front of somebody and go for the interception and, you know, that, that type of play. Those, those kind of corners, that's what I would want. Good right. corners who have the ability to know when to take a big calculated risk when it's in their favor. All right, so all right, give me give me your how do you see the the Jags Pats playing out? Just go ahead, give me a real quick synopsis and give me a score oh, okay. too. I want to well, score. How it plays out, I think there's it, it's going to be rough. I think it can be rough on Tom Brady at times. Right. You, you know, up front, I do. But as I watch their games and, and I've done a lot today. Yep. I wrote down, you know, CBS calls me, give us some plays to show us the, the Patriots offense. And I, they said, what do you got? I said, oh, I got 15 of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, only, we can only use three. <laughs> oh, gosh, this is really a headache. So it takes me an hour to figure out which three because it's everything. It's an onslaught. And every play has the other play to that play. Right. And the first play works. And then they run the other one next, and it's, it works even better. So the offense of New England has just got so much, and they're so, of course, not dynamic, that's just the word. They're just always pushing. Here we come. Here we come. Yes. So much that it just wears you out. Right. And I think that's going to be the difference. I think New England's going to win the game, if I had to guess uh, right now, 24-13. Okay. That's a cover. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a what? That's a cover. Adam's worried about his left co locks he has to do here at Bleacher Report. Oh man, come on, come on! You can't, you can't beat the NFLs trying to pick these games. It's impossible. All right, it's so that's good. Twenty four thirteen. Learn the worst. I get at picking them. I could certainly right. see that. I could see that game being like seventeen thirteen early in the fourth quarter, and the Patriots put them away with one more touchdown. 
Um, you, you, know, you know what they do? It, it, it's a entirely different offense they're facing this week, the Jaguars, than they did last week. Yes. Entirely. Right. Now New England's this all team's, about motion. This, yeah, they're built, to, they're built better to beat this scheme, right, Jacksonville, than Pittsburgh is, at least in my eyes. Well, Pittsburgh, man. Yeah, they, I mean, they tore it up. Well, listen, they just made, made some great plays. With, plays. Right, right. Yeah, as, really as, as Christopher wrote in his game notes, Patriots are going to spread Jags out like the Steelers, but the Patriots are actually built for that. Right. Yes, they are. They really are. Yeah, that, 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 that's, that's one stat that lies. When you throw it over 50 times as the Patriots or 40 or whatever, yeah. I think somebody told me that. And I said, oh, you know what? For once, that's a, that's a stat that I like. Yeah, he's 19-9 and nine career when they throw it 50 times or more. Wow. Where <laughs> most quarterbacks are like 1-8 oh, and eight or 2-14. Yeah. And, 14. and yeah. so it just tells you the complexity and all the inventory of their yeah. offense they well, have. You know what's great? I'm sitting next to a guy who's close to me. That got the was really probably the first one to see that that type of offense. Bill Cowher in the opening game at Gillette Stadium, the Patriots I think started out that game twenty one throws in the first twenty two plays. Wow! And Bill Cowher and I were talking about it on Sunday. I said, "Now tell me, were you ready for that?" He goes. What do you mean, was I ready for that? Of course we weren't. <laughs> there was no clue they were going to do that. They hadn't shown it. And he goes, that's so what's good. wrong with those first games of the year. I mean, he got all fired up. It was great. All right, give me and, the Eagles-Vikings before you go on here. All right, Eagles-Vikings. Right. Um, very low scoring. Right. First one to 17 wins. I'm going to say Eagles 17, Vikings 10. I like it, Big Ooh. Phil. I like I'm it. I'm just doing it from this perspective. Yeah. Which defensive front has a bigger advantage against the offensive line? Think about the Vikings. Yes. They're not at home. They don't have the crowd noise, and they're not on turf. Yes, and they have and no their depth. Front, their front guys play too many plays, <laughs> and the Eagles can <laughs> substitute better. That's why I'm taking yeah, them. Yeah, that's what we just talked about. There's no depth on that Minnesota Vikings D-line. All right, you the man. Thanks for making predictions big there, Phil, big guy. Big Phil, big All right, Phil. guys. Have, have a good day. All right, we'll talk to you later. See ya. See ya. Man, that makes me feel like I've already won. It's a that's a those t- were what I was going to take for Lefkoe Locks anyway. Yeah, okay, good. Don't Patriots worry. Minus Either nine way. And, yeah, gentlemen, but, Scarlet uh, Knights. Scarlet you, Knights. Are you minus are one you, tonight? Unfortunately, the audience won't hear this tomorrow, so they can't bet. But you guys can. Rutgers minus one. That is a Fendrick lock. Ooh. <laughs> you like that segment? You couldn't, you couldn't have rhymed Fendrick with anything else. No, I got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> Fendrick's, uh, Fendrick's, Fendrick's fuck up when Iowa wins. Perfect. But yeah, Fendrick's locks for now. Good luck. Have a great night. I'll see, see you guys tomorrow. Pretty good. Thanks. Get thanks on, tele- get thanks on for television. Participating. So oh, there's not going to be any fans there, so I'll be on TV the whole Perfect. game. Yeah, just look for me. <laughs> Big Ten Network, 7 o'clock. I know you'll be watching. Lefko. I don't Hell know yeah. what you do after I work. I won't be. <laughs> um, one thing I wanted to add, too, and this is I'm going to bring it up in the pick show tomorrow, is Minnesota in cold yeah. weather. Yeah. Minnesota played two games that was under 40 degrees this year. One was the win over Green Bay when they scored 16 points. I was there, yep. And people were saying that Case Keenum looked off. Yep. The other, the 31-24 loss at the hands of the Carolina Panthers, mm. which we looked at each other and called it very fluky because yeah. there was a lot of penalties in that game. Yep. But there was also a lot of Vikings missed tackles. Yes, there was. And that can happen when it gets cold. It does. So... Man, your dad just got me really excited. Yep. Well, no, the the environment of the stadium and the field and all those things we've talked about before, it definitely plays in your guys' favor. Definitely. Again. 
Yes. Uh, let's do game notes. We'll start off with Jaguar Steelers. These are Sims's game notes that I transcribe from his sometimes hard to read scribbling in cursive, and I turn it Did into you ever factual t- information. Tweet out my notes or anything like that? Did this? it one time. Did it. Whenever when someone says, What does that even mean? I just tweet them the notes. I'm like, you read it. I don't know what that means. Uh, I cannot figure out what the Steelers were thinking with their opening game plan. Yeah. Uh, you wrote Miles Jack blank, then Ramsey would be my pick to cover Gronk. Yes. Well, I don't know what you wrote in the middle there. Oh, Miles Jack blank. And the, okay, let me go look Miles at that. Miles Jack on. blank, then Ramsey would be my pick to cover Gronk. What did I write? What did I? Let me get to the page here. Yeah, I don't. I usually can read all of your words, but this that one, one was, was really tough. Where Where was this here? Let me just see where where it was. Do you remember where it was? That's the only thing I got to know here. Uh, Steelers. Line. All right. Big, oh, yeah. Is that the word other? Other, yeah, yes. So 40, you would go Ramsey on Gronk and then Miles Jack too. Yes. And it's funny that your dad said that he runs like a running back because he, he plays a running, running back. back. I know, I don't yeah, know. Exactly. Yes. Uh, to me, that would be the way to go. If if they split out Gronk, you put on Jalen Ramsey mm. and you, you treat him like he's a receiver. Period. That's where they want to go with it when they split him out. Let Jalen Ramsey live on an island home. Jalen Ramsey play bump and run, mm. play inside. Take away the slant, and then just get in his hip pocket. And if you got to just play the go or the back shoulder, I feel like facing Gronk is like facing LeBron. You're not one guy's not going to stop him, but like the Warriors have four, six, eight guys to throw on yeah, him. Yeah, right. Where they throw Iguodala right. and they throw Clay. I feel like that's what it is with Gronk. They you can, throw Jack and yes. then you throw Ramsey. If he's connected to the line of scrimmage in traditional tight end sets, I'm going to put Miles Jack on him and let mm. him play there, play that kind of game. But they do have at least the athletic ability, size, speed combination to, that I would think is going to at least annoy him. You said Yannick Ngakwe was the secret star of the game against Pittsburgh. Yes, he was. And the Jags play the Cardinals version of quarter, quarter, half. Oh, you know, yeah. So so the Jaguars played a few different coverages in this game. They mixed it up a little bit to where, you know, I'm sure they were conscious. Hey, this is Pittsburgh. They do have a high-octane pass offense. We're not going to just line up in the same look every time because they might have some plays dialed up. So they disguised a few things. But what I basically mean is, you know quarter, quarter, half, right? It's usually a corner has one quarter, a safety has another quarter, and then the other side of the field they're playing cover two. Right. So they basically, that quarter, quarter side, they broke it into thirds almost, where they just said, Ramsey, you play man-to-man outside. Wow. The next corner in will be in charge of that quarter, and then the safety will be in charge of that quarter. That's what happens when you have a guy like Ramsey. Exactly right. It's a game changer. You can do things creatively on your defense. I thought it was funny, too. You said oh, the Patriots were just going to be so complimentary of the Jags, and Matt Slater, his quote about Jalen Ramsey, right. God said, let there be corner, and then there showed up Ramsey. Yeah. And the funny thing is, he's not even lying. I know. It's exactly not. how Jalen Ramsey was created. Yeah, I mean, you know From it. God's You hear everybody fingertips. talking about this guy. I mean, this guy's not... They're not talking about him because they think it's like a fluke. I mean, what, like what Larry Fitzgerald said him, you know, about him. Yes. What did he say? He him said, with one arm is better than ninety-five percent of the corners in the league. You wrote that Linder kicked ass for the Jaguars. Oh my gosh! The the Pittsburgh Steelers showed signs of the fact that they hadn't played a real game since the Patriots game that they blew in the fourth quarter. They came out, and I just think they thought they were the Steelers, and we're home, and right. we're gonna just do what we do. And Jacksonville came ready for a fight. And especially early on, absolutely whooped the shit out of Pittsburgh up front. Hargrave, 96, Walton, to it. You said they, Mercedes Lewis. 
kicked Dupree's ass on, on one of the runs, touchdown yes, runs. Yes, on the one around the edge after the Miles Jack interception, Fournette touchdown. Sure. I mean, yes, Mercedes Lewis is a phenomenal blocker. They absolutely mauled Pittsburgh early on in the game. Pittsburgh, I don't really think Pittsburgh's defense woke up till about the third quarter. And then you add in that on Fournette's touchdown, he jumped from the four-yard line. The four. And got hit at like the two and still got in. For someone that has played mad and has jumped, what is realistic? What is crazy? Gosh, usually like I would think for a running back, if they're taking off at like the two, then they can at least get enough height to get over the pile, then to fall in. But he said, screw it, I'm going from the four. <gasps> and he got in. Uh the five is like dunking from the free throw line. The four is just in front of him. Yes. That's pretty awesome. Yes. Bortles' designed run was awesome. Yeah. Zone read, weak side counter. Yeah, it's like they basically ran the, the zone read, right? But they had a tight end pulling with him from the opposite side to be a lead blocker. I hope they do more of that stuff. They that's need the to. things that's going to put them in a bind. Uh, you wrote the third and 11 screen to Yeldon, which was a huge gain. Oh. Steelers have linebacker in the game that I haven't seen all year miss the tackle. WWBBD. What would Bill Belichick do? Right. What would Bill Belichick do? You okay. Wrote that in your game notes. I know, and I know I did, and I, I can't. Forte rem- was the, the the linebacker font. Yeah, he's a he's a a special teams linebacker, really. Okay, he doesn't really ever play. So to me, again, there there was a bailout play. The Steelers were kind of getting back yes. into the game. It was third and eleven. You're going, oh gosh, here they go. They're going to be in trouble here. They're going to have to punt the ball, and Pittsburgh's going to get the ball back in good territory. And he throws a screen to the left, and the kid can't make the play. I mean, he just can't do it. And I just don't understand. First of all, even having him in at that moment on such a big play, I understand your guys are hurt at that. But then also, you have to recognize. That, he's, that he is in there, and that maybe you need to play something else that's not going to go, man, we're putting you in a tough spot here. I hope you can make the play. When you're playing the Jaguars, the people covering the running backs might be more important than the people covering the receivers. Yes. That's their number one receivers. Yes. Uh, so the big, the big thing I took from your Jaguars-Steelers notes, the Jaguars really came in there and beat the crap out of the Steelers. Yes. Physically, point of attack, yeah. some good play calls from the offense, making them defend the whole field. Right. Some good Blake runs. Yes. But in the end, they just out-physicaled them. It they like. were just a better team on the football field. There's no other way to deny that. Um, what did you think of Bortles' game when you watched it on film? I mean, he did He did great. He did what he had to do. If he does that, they, they can win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. They're going to win the Super Bowl. I mean, really. It, it just... Taking care of the football, he hit. You know, he hit Marquise Lee on the deep curl in the first drive. He hit the deep post in the third quarter. Those are really the only two throws he made the whole game. Other than that, he hit a slant. He hit a little under route, and then T.J. Yeldon was their leading receiver because he just checked the ball to him on wide flares. Yeah. Pittsburgh was stupid on defense and undisciplined at times. They were playing zones. And collapse the zone in and let T.J. Yeldon get on the outside. So that was a big issue, but he, he really did. He, he, he did about as good as he can, can do. Let's go to Patriots-Titans. Right. So much of your notes. Wait, one more thing. Okay. I mean, that game could have been a blowout, too. If Fournette First was all, healthy. Well, and Fournette, and I mean, we got to give Big Ben a little props. Right. Big Ben was awesome in that game. Like I said, the only play I looked at was the fumble, was his dumbest play of the game. You got to know it's Jacksonville. You got to know they're coming. You can't sit up in the pocket and pat the ball four more times. The interception to start the game, I have no problem with that. That was a, they got players too. I mean, that's the way the football goes. He threw the ball exactly where he wanted to. Miles Jack made a great break on the ball. But man, that game's 28 to 7, and he throws a fourth and 11 like bomb that only like four people in football can throw. Yeah. 
And then the other fourth he down bomb. He saved it like three times. He did. He was phenomenal in the game. And that's what I was saying. So that game was this close so many times you're just going, fuck, it's over. It's going to be 42-7 Jaguars. That is a game that I think when you're watching football and you're arguing with your friends, that is a game where the quarterback outperforms his offensive coordinator. Right. That's what it felt like That's to what me. the quarterback can – that's he, when you have a great quarterback. Yeah. They can co- they can cover so many holes, right? Yes. There's ho- – oh, our defense sucks the game today. Plan was our bad. offense isn't doing good. But I made five plays that only a few quarterbacks in football can make, and look at us. We're only a score away, and we've been getting our ass kicked by three for three quarters. So much of your notes on the Patriots' offense was marveling at how they use the motion to fuck over the Titans' defense. Yes. Patience, pa- Patriots' motions really mess with It's Titans funny my dad kind of said it, too. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Confused linebackers. The Pats' tempo fucked them up. They attacked Woodyard in coverage. Not surprise. You actually said Thune's pass protecting has been pretty damn good. It was okay. He hung in there. He he hung on by the skin on his teeth a few yeah. times just to advert disaster. But the motioning. Is it that different than motioning from other teams? Yes, because it's just the motioning, the assault of formations and personnel. Combined and, with how fast they were going. And then they get you in a pace, yeah. in a, in a pace contest, right. And what they do is um, they they make you think on the fly. And LeBeau and them were trying to change, you know, oh, it's you know the receiver's on this side, we're going to play it like this. Oh, he went to the other side. Well, our rules change a little bit. And then they're communicating. And they're communicating. And they snap the ball, and the ball goes somewhere else, and they right. don't know what to do. And I'm not shocked to like the Wesley Woodyard thing. Wesley Woodyard was in Denver with me and Josh McDaniels. And... I just know through practice that was one thing we did to Wesley Woodyard at times. What we would just go if we have to if we can confuse Wesley at the middle linebacker position and kind of make him have to overthink and make calls at the line of scrimmage, he can be a little slow to react at times. Gotcha, because he's and, thinking for everybody else, and that's where the history goes. Like so, Josh wow. goes, man, I remember Wesley had a little hit issue with these things when he was on my team. Let me do it back to him now, man. Um, so it's yes, it's just the onslaught of plays. Like New England's offense was not as impressive as good as I thought when we were watching they on TV. They just fuck you before the play even starts. They really did. It was just constant just execution, nice run, reverse, night, fake the run, fake the reverse, screen to Deion Lewis 30 yards down that's, the side. It's just all this, that stuff. That, this matchup reminds me of all those Peyton-Ray Lewis matchups where you'd see the Colts and the Ravens going back and forth. And the reason why I think this one can work, mm-hmm. Patriots-Jags, is the Jags just do what they do. Yes. They're and not going to get up-tempoed yes. and Confused. You're not going to out-coach no. the Patriots. No. So that's why I'm excited because they can go, we're just sitting here, baby. Yes. And the one reason that I go the Patriots can do it, you wrote, Tom Brady's got his fastball back. Yes, he does. He he would look. He like, made some passes that I went. I haven't seen that zip in two years. Yeah, yeah. Well, he made some like he was back to the Tom Brady we saw in the middle of the year before he got right, into that right, Miami right, right. slump and all those kind of games where I just went, man, look at the ball. I mean, there was a few throws where I was just like, holy shit, I can barely see the ball on the screen. It was like a blur. Yeah. Um, and that's why he's going to continue to last. Because he, unlike Peyton Manning, has a motion that lasts the test of time, like a Brett Favre. Like Brett Favre, I bet you still can throw the ball better than like most of the quarterbacks in the NFL. It's just you know he can't run or move, or he'd probably break a hip bone if he got to hit. Or doesn't want to practice <laughs> right, and all that right. stuff. Patriots defense, you said they went from a 4-3 to a 6-1 look. Yeah. Defensive tackles lined up in the two-gap. They need branch. They're not big enough. So yeah. they actually put 6-D linemen across. It was 4-3 personnel. 
and they just put, put the, the two, two linebackers, linebackers on, on the, the edge. edge. Right. So basically just said, yeah, they're interesting in what they do. Okay. I mean, that's really old school college football. Old Five, school. two, six, one. Yes. But they drop into certain zones. They got the guys that can play man when they need to. So they give you a lot of different looks. They right. They just fuck with people. They, they fuck- go out there and they show you a look and they change. Like we celebrate the Falcons right. for occasionally doing right. it. Right. The Patriots do it on every play. Every week. And, the, and, and why do they do that? To me, this is why they do it. Of course, they're worried about the run game and the Tennessee Titans. And they go, okay. And then we got to worry about the edge runs with Mariota and maybe a Henry around the edge. So they say, let's put a fucking extra guy on the edge, both out there. So they have to go like, there's going to be impossible for them to get outside of us. And then the fact and- that they play a four down front and their two D tackles are two gapping. See, that's the things that like go unnoticed too, where okay. nobody else in football is doing that. So two gapping means like basically they are head up on the guards. And usually when teams play four down, right, four down linemen, they each kind of slide one gap, right? right? We all got our one gap, but in they're between going, the center of the guard, the guard, the tackle. Exactly right. And they're going basically like everybody else is playing one gap defense, except they're saying D tackles, you got both sides of the guard. You gotta, you're going to have to stand him up, and if the ball comes inside, you got to throw him and make the tackle inside. And if it goes outside, you got to throw him. And then really, a Landon Roberts is just going to react to what they do off of that. That's what gotcha. they do. So it's like a little bit of a 3-4 scheme Can that be taken advantage of? I mean, there can be, but you need to have a creative run game to go along with that. And is this that is a trapping? Deep... Is that pulling? It is. It would be some of that stuff. And that would, that would mess Letting up with some of those through. rules. Right. Well, trapping, pulling, fullbacks through. Fullback, you go, oh, wait, I got this gap. But wait, there's a fullback there. So what about the gap on the other side mm. of the fullback? Who's going to get there? Mm. It's little things like that that can mess that up. Interesting. Yeah. You all, yeah, you wrote that Patriots left a spy on Mariota on all passing downs. All pass plays. Barely ever blitzed. I mean, barely. They just play it the way we want everyone to play it. Yeah. Just, the thing is, these aren't fucking secrets. Yeah. You just got to watch the Patriots. And I just don't know why people don't steal their shit. Because this shit isn't complicated. No, it's it's the com- offense is complicated. Yes, the defense is always super simplified. Like they've yeah. broken you down and then made a really simple game plan to just break down and that is going to break down some of your key. Yeah, you wrote halfway through the third. I don't think the Patriots have blitzed yet, yes. and you need to give a Landon Roberts more credit. We do because every week I watch him and I go, "Damn, he makes more tackles running sideline to sideline on the field." The Gerard whole game. Mayo type of stuff. Yeah, but he's actually a little more athletic than Gerard. Really? Yeah, he's not maybe quite the thumper Mayo was, but he's close. Um, but he is more athletic. I feel like a Landon Roberts is the create a player linebacker you get like he's an 80 and like you don't want him because he's not going to get that much better but he's just an 80 like in everything for his whole career he is there's really no weakness to his game yeah um and I think his strengths are probably it is his speed. I bet you his awareness is really okay, good. Well, off the charts. I mean, yeah, who's I'm not thinking New solely right. in Madden categories. Yeah. and his kicking power is solid. <laughs> uh, let's go to the first uh, NFC game, which was Eagles Falcons. Yep. You said Fletcher Cox's ability to get off blocks is unreal. Unreal. I mean, there was a few times where there, the hole is there. It's not even his gap to make the tackle, but he just goes, get off me. I'm going to go three gaps over and make the tackle one-yard gain. If he was on the Jaguars, who would be the best defensive lineman on that team? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I'm going to go with Fletcher Cox. And then who's two? Calais? Yeah, it's – Right? Yeah, it's probably Cal- – it is Calais. Yeah, Calais, the versatility he has to do either D-tackle or D-end is pretty special. And then who's three? Man. Malik, I would want Yannick. Malik. Okay, you go Malik. Yannick, three. of course, is the best pass rusher of the we group. We still have Marcel Darius. I, I know. 
Yes. Avery Jones. I would. It's, it's unreal. <laughs> I, I would go though. Yes, I would go Malik three, Yannick four, Marcel five. So everyone's talking about Brady being the best quarterback. Fletcher Cox is the best D lineman left. I like that. Yes. Um, Philly size is always impressive. We don't talk about their speed. The outside inside zone and power king in big sets give them issues. Yes, because of the wide nine. So they have times where because of that wide nine. Uh, he's so far out there that they can just kind of put a, t- a tight end on him to just go, okay, in the inside zone, let's just take that for instance. They get the tight end on The tight end basically just seals him from coming inside, and they run it between that huge gap between, between, the, the, tackle, the, tackle. between the tackle and the DN who's in right. that wide nine, right? And that leaves sometimes the tackle or maybe even a pulling guard to get up to your second-level linebacker, and then you go, oh, shit, we can't get to that C gap, and that's where all their yards came in Is the run Is this why game. Tevin Coleman was having so no much doubt. success? No doubt. It was all it was all those runs. There was almost Has no, this been an all-year thing? It is an all-year thing. Yes. And they do different things and see and your defense they don't let they, they don't play a lot of two safety looks a lot of times, so they put an extra guy down in there to where it's hard to just go, okay, we're going to run it there because Malcolm Jenkins is there yeah. or the linebackers are kicked over that way. Right. So they don't make it just and where if they – Fletcher busts through, then you're that's screwed. a four-yard right. loss. Right, exactly right. And you know the other thing that they've been vulnerable to the early in the year, but like Jacksonville, they know they're vulnerable, like what I call cracks, toss cracks or bunch crunch. Right? Which is the wide receiver blocking down on the, the D-line. The on Bell for th- first, fourth, than one toss play, right? Which is which is stupid to do, insane. right? But what they do, I'm just to give a quick synopsis there. Between the Eagles and the Jaguars, everybody tries to take advantage of their aggressive upfield. Let them go by, right, and, and we'll go push the them down, and we'll go outside, and there'll be nothing there. But they've seen it all year. And what they basically do is they tell their guys, go aggressively more upfield. Because now what happens is Yagakwe or Brandon Graham just fly so hard. They try to crack them down, but they are so aggressive in getting upfield that they don't get cracked down all the way. And now the pulling guards coming around going, fuck, I gotta go like nine yards in the backfield to get around this guy, right. and then the whole play's blown up. Gap integrity. Yes, gap integrity. It's gonna be the name of my band, Gap Integrity. Uh, you said Schwartz blitzed right, uh, blitzes were right on, in your opinion. Yes. Falcons should have thrown outside more? Way more. I mean, you guys were giving them completions. Like, remember a few times early in the game, they threw five-yard outs, Darby was off. They're obsessed with the crossing route. They are obsessed with the middle of the field. It's a West Coast issue in general. I mean, it really I is. I thought it was just because Kyle's offense last year was like wide open slants. Yeah, well, and it was because Kyle, though, does it for a rhyme or reason. He's not just calling like, hey, the slant route's been working. Let's throw it again. No, he has a yeah. reason why he's doing that. So, yes, they, they were there. The comebacks, those things, and they just yeah. don't do it. And on the last play of the game where Matt Ryan, the last play of the game for the Falcons offense, yes. you wrote, horrible play call by the Falcons. You took away your quarterback's greatest strength. What, what was Matt Ryan doing every time he made a play the whole game? Moving up in the pocket, making a little move, finding someone to throw to. Oh, God, we covered them. We had a pass rush, but he made the play because he's Matt Ryan and he's been playing every snap since 1922. So he's nothing is phasing him. Yeah. And they said, let's roll out our quarterback and give him yeah. one option to throw to. One, and then he can't even have a two-way move to move up in the pocket and pressurize your defense. So stupid. Again, such typical West Coast bullshit. Why is that West Coast? Because Dwight Clark caught that same play against the Cowboys in the back of the end zone in 1981. Great, it was a great scheme then in 1981 because nobody did it. Now everybody does it, and it never fucking works for anybody. Mm. I mean, nobody. You know who else did it in the game? 
The Minnesota Vikings, because Pat Shermer has a little West Coast background. They did it when they got down there one time. You know what happened? Incomplete. None of the good defenses are going to fall for that stupid fucking where the, play. Where the tight end of the receiver just kind of sneaks in the back. Right, and, so, and the slot guy goes in quick into the flat. Oh, gosh, they haven't seen that 900 times since the start of it's OTAs. It's because every time I watch TV, somehow the spider 2Y banana works. Well, it really doesn't. I know. Trust me. But when it does, but they show like, oh, yeah, yeah, there's better too. No, but it really doesn't. I mean, that could show you a lot where it actually doesn't work because it's such, again, another typical West Coast play. Into the Eagles offense, you said Lane Johnson pulling on the big Ajayi play where he fumbled. Mm-hmm. Need more of these. Yes. I mean, the Eagles downhill running. Is I think you wrote special. downhill domination offense is better under center blocking better angles. Yes, it's better angles for the linemen when you don't have in the shotgun to where now you can kind of see the movement of the tailback. Right? Oh, he's going this way. It's the outside zone this way. Right. So he gets a jump start. When you're in the eye formation, he might take a counter step, and it makes you pause for a second as a middle linebacker. Did it look like they're going to do more downhill running? I do think so. They as did the have game more, was going they on? They had more downhill schemes, I thought, this week than I've seen pretty much all year. That's great. I, they still went outside a few times, but it's it's coin flip. It has to be the right defense. Right. The, like I don't like those plays nearly as much. And you also wrote the Falcons slipped a lot more than the Eagles. Uh-huh. Yes. I mean, constantly. I mean, uh, defenders, Devontae Freeman in the flat on a second down one time. He's one-on-one. Yeah, he just tripped. Falls on his feet. I mean, there was it was constant. Again, the— Julio in the end zone. Julio in the, the Northeast, Northeast January football does not play well to turnover. I to, can't believe the Eagles have a chance. Right. It's insane. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. I was at 6%. Uh, Vikings Saints. Vikings plan of run down middle, throw it down the field to love it. That's love how it. you attack. Yeah. You said Lattimore was all over Thielen. Yep. Uh, on the Keenum interception, Rudolph was blocking Cam Jordan. Jordan got pressure. Shocker. That's how you lose the Super Bowl. That's some West Coast bullshit, too, there. That it really the tight is. tight end's going to block Cam oh, Jordan. Oh, looks good on my uh, when I have my red Sharpie on the dry erase board. It's amazing blocking. We got it all figured out. I will say this. Your yeah. dad said something. Yeah. It's the same thing that I was thinking. Right. I thought the right tackle hill yes. looked bad. Yes. You said on film. A lot better than you thought it on It was TV. better than I thought. There was a few plays at the very end, and I think that's what's getting stuck in everybody's brain. Yeah, well, you wrote Cam Jordan was unstoppable in the fourth he quarter. He was unstoppable. I mean, yes, it was unbelievable. And, he, and I think Cam Jordan's one sack also came against the tight end. So, you know, not only did he force the interception with the tight end, he also got his one sack against Kyle Rudolph. But, yes, I mean— um, it was he, a storyline they said during the game. Hill has come in and replaced Remmers, right? And he he could be susceptible to pass rush. But yeah. on the film, it was better. It was okay. It really was. I had no issues with it until a few plays late in the game. And I'll also say this: I do think the Saints dropped the ball a few times. There were some third downs where they di- they dropped uh, Cameron Jordan into coverage. Why? I, why? Right. Drop somebody else. Don't drop the best guy on your D lineman. You're if only, you're gonna rush you're three, only true pass rusher. You remember when Case Canem on one of the first drives, he, they rushed three and he took all day and then he scrambled to the right and threw the ball across the field and they got the first down yes. to set up, I think it was a touchdown that drive. Either way, three-man rush. Cam Jordan's playing the slant route and whatever. Why? Drop Sheldon Rankins over there. Let your best pass rusher come off the edge against the guy who doesn't start much in Hill. Man. But it wasn't as bad as I thought is basically the point there. Damn, that sucks. Yeah. Uh, it's also good for Still going to be an issue for you guys. Of I mean, course. Them. 
for the Vikings? Yeah, it's going to be an issue. You said when they when the Vikings got the lead, they stopped being aggressive and they got into some too deep safety looks, yep. giving the Saints back the easy completions. Yes. Yes, because early on in the game, it wasn't man-to-man all the you time. You said they were all over their stuff. They were all over it. I mean, you could tell Zimmer's got a history with Peyton, uh, Sean Payton, but they played a lot of like three deep, man-to-man, but single safety looks to where there's extra guys underneath that one Which extra guy. the Saints want to Right, live. to take away all the options, the stick routes, the Kamara underneath. All that was not there. They got a 17-0 lead. And they said, oh, gosh, oh, we don't want to let one big play happen to get them yeah. back. And it, it kind of got them in rhythm. You did say the Vikings exposed the Saints' pass protection, yes. set protection. Eagles do it jet, too. Jet protection. Jet protection. Jet, yes. Zimmer going to find ways. He's going to find right, so ways. What did they do to the Saints that they could do to the Eagles? Yes, because you're again, you're you guys are a lot like that West Coast scheme too. At your base premises, it's not like yeah. What's jet protection? Jet is basically slide protection, right? Where New England goes man to man blocking. So they're going to say, "There's a guy here. I'm taking him." Like they're going to basically say, "Okay, uh, let's just say." Um, your center, Kelsey, they're going to point to, let's say, the backside linebacker. And he is going to work that way, okay? So he's going to slide to the he's left. He's going to slide that way. Yep. And that right guard is also really going to slide that way, too. So you're going to have And this is because Kelsey, four on three because D linemen. Kelsey said he was the mic? Yes. So you're going to have four on three D linemen, but you're also responsible for the guy he's pointed at to say Mike. But what it does now is your your right deta- right offensive tackle is going to be one on one, and now you your back him. is over there, two behind him mm. to take one blitzing linebacker. So if you send but two, he, and that's what he did, he figured out. Ooh, when they put the back I, here, they I, slide I, this mm, way, gotcha. and now I'm going to put pressure on the back to go oh, with two so guys. So the slide is based off of the the placement of the running back. It's it, it, well a lot. Of, it depends. You put the running back on the opposite side. It could of go where both. You're that's what the offense will do to change it up. They'll Sometimes go, you know, the running back will slide over after the snap. Right. Gotcha. Or they'll just go, you know what, you're really going to protect the linebackers on the right, but we're going to line you up in the left in shotgun. And when I say say hut, he'll come underneath and go, okay, I got this side. So this is the protection chess match within the chess match. Exactly right. But So you were saying the Saints were doing a lot of slide the and the Vikings were overloading where the they were sliding The Saints from. were sliding and if you're in shotgun, everybody out there, right, you're in shotgun, Drew Brees is in the shotgun and you're the quarterback. Mark Ingram was to his left and the offensive line was would slide to the right, and Minnesota would go, uh, fuck that, and they would drop <laughs> the defense end over there and put him in coverage and then blitz two people at the running back. So mm-hmm. now where it was going, Mark Ringham and Drew Brees is yeah, going, Drew oh, Brees shit, i got to throw the ball away. i got to get, get it out of my hand, yeah. whatever it was. All right, right, that's officially something to watch for. Definitely. Let's see how many weak side double pressures they can right. get on a running back. Right. Because I don't think the Eagles running backs are that great of pass blockers either. Uh, you thought Rhodes would do better against Michael Thomas. Not the case. The number one thing we were tweeted about, look at Michael Thomas, Sims. You don't think he's number one. Look how great he was. Yeah. What did we learn about Michael Thomas and Xavier Rhodes in this matchup? Well, Michael Thomas is, I mean, again, good, not great. I think the biggest thing, I, I mean, hey, he caught the touchdown pass. That was great play design. It was actually the same exact play. Remember they threw the Teddy Ginn Jr. touchdown pass in the first half? They got called back because they weren't set. Oh, right. Remember that? It was the same play. It was that. just the other way. And so it was basically, it's very tough to for Xavier Rhodes. They're in a tight split, and he basically has to cover them man-to-man on the whole, the whole field. field. So that's hard. But I think the point of the whole thing is 
I thought that because of Xavier Rhodes' physicality, he would be able to shut down Michael Thomas' greatest strength, which is his physicality, and he might not be able to separate. But really what it did was it took away the strength of Xavier Rhodes of being able to physically dominate receivers. And Michael Thomas was okay enough to go, okay, you want to push me? I can push you back, and I'll hang in there, and then I'm going to fake to the left and then go to the right. His ability to change direction. Was very impressive, and it put Xavier Rhodes in a tough spot. He, He had a hard time because his physicality didn't overpower to now where, yes, his change of direction yeah. was exposed by Michael Thomas better better at it. That's what I hear everyone talk about with Michael Thomas is his change of direction and change of speed is, is really up there in football. It's, it's a very good route Super runner. Super quick. Yes. He, he's, he's, a, he's a good player, guys. I mean, again, I'm just trying to give everybody like a... You said the matchup with Jeffrey will be interesting. It'll be interesting because I would think before I watched that film, I would have gone, oh, Xavier Rhodes is going to have his way with him. But I don't know about that. I don't know. Xavier mm. Rhodes does not look like he's moving as well to me as early in the year. I mean, he does look like he, he also had. I it, he did. I he had thought a, it was going to be a concussion because he was on the ground for a while. Right when Alvin Kamara oh, went out around into the one or two, right. and then I was like, oh wow, they're about to lose Sandejo and Xavier Rhodes. Yeah, and then Xavier. Xavier is smart. Rhodes I think he, came back. He, he was did. super angry when Thomas hit right. uh, Sandejo, which was. A, a big collision. Holy Man. cow. And then you ended it with no one is talking about how the Vikings front four can't get pressure. Oh, buddy. I mean. They're a great front four. But I'm telling you, when you look at the all-time stats, I think they had the least amount of sacks. Well, I, no, other than the Ravens. I mean, we're going to – tomorrow I'll give more of a deep dive into it when we pick the games. But that was one of the things that I um, – I'm going to be interested in. The cool. amount of sacks the Vikings had towards the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, Everson Griffin's production surely has gone down. Oh, I mean, well, I mean the first like, 10 games, he had like 11 sacks. He had like sacks. 10 sacks, yeah. right. So that's not there. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's something to watch out for in this game. I found Can your own line wear them down? Yeah, I found it shocking when I looked at all the statistics for the snaps, the amount of snaps that Daniil Hunter had played. Yes. I always thought Daniil Hunter was going to be one of these guys that was, you know, a 40% sack right, guy, right. and he's playing 78% of the snaps. He played 165 more snaps than Fletcher Cox this Ooh, year. I know. And that's Daniil Hunter. Yes. The ballerina. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Sims called Daniel Hunter a ballerina. Yeah, he proved draft. me wrong. Yes, he, he did. He won that one. Um, but yes, uh, that that is something I'm certainly concerned with with Minnesota. Minnesota really could not get pressure unless they blitzed, really, for the most part. I'm glad you have a lot more stuff to do for tomorrow. Let's do quickly the celebration rankings. Uh, of course, Golden Tate still leads the way with the people's elbow. Steelers bench press still leads the way with the team. Uh, the Case Keenum freeze. Do you remember this? Oh, yeah, I do. So this is Latavius Murray is going to score, and then he's going to go around, and he's going to tap people, and he, t- he tags Case Keenum. Case Keenum really sells it. He really did. Like, really holds it for a while and then breaks off the Case Keenum freeze. I did like that. Uh, this is the helmet toss. Stefan Diggs scores, goes into the end zone, rips it, and just throws it, and then poses. I'm going to be honest. It's pretty fucking baller. It is. Stefan Well, Diggs. it's the only time that you can get away with taking your helmet off because there's no more time yeah, on the Yeah, doing the, the Kyle Turley. Uh, this one is another locker room one. This is Jeff Lurie. We talked about dancing on rhythm to beat. I thought uh, it was pretty good. 
Uh, damn good. I know that people in Philadelphia uh, were going in and putting different songs there, which is always fun. Right. And this really isn't a celebration, but it's more of a movement now. The dog head, Ooh. Lane Johnson with the German Shepherd. Right. I know that uh, you've always loved German Shepherds. I do like German Shepherds. Um, and then the last one is the Jalen Ramsey speech. When they got back and he said, we go into the Super Bowl and we go win that B2. Yeah. So those are the five. Um, first, so which of those was the best from the weekend? <sighs> Pure entertainment value, Jalen Ramsey going. Yes. I I'm still can't believe Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone even let that whole thing go down. They handed Jalen Ramsey is one of those guys. You hand him the microphone and you go, "What the fuck did I just do?" They that whole team. I would have been like, you know what? We're we're gonna get on the bus and go home. Okay, yeah, give it to Calais because they got a lot of guys back. that I would go like, I don't trust them with the mic after the flight home, where most guys have had a few drinks too. Oh, you're right. They definitely got down on that plane. Definitely. There's no way. So guys are loose and things are gonna. Come Come out of their mouth that they wouldn't say on a Monday Does or Tuesday. Does that beat the Golden Tate people elbow? No. Okay, I don't think so. No. I can't uh, give it a legit. But the Case Keenum freeze is pretty awesome. Too. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. I'll say this about the Lane Johnson dog head. Yeah. When I go back to earlier about the movie trailers, I think what's interesting is the Vikings come in truly as the team of destiny because they won on a miracle. So yeah. in the team of destiny rankings, they're higher. But the fact that they're going to walk into a stadium with thousands of German Shepherd dog heads sales so high, you can't even buy them online. People are jacking up the rates because if you're selling German Shepherd dog mask heads... You're not used to an influx like this. They don't even know where to go. But the fact that they're coming into a stadium going, welcome to the underdog palace, right. it feels like the rally monkey. Yeah. It feels like you take all of that majestic stuff back and go, no, we're the surprise, which I love. Right. The Jalen Ramsey speech, one, never changed, Jalen Ramsey. Yes. I love it. And yep. if there's one team that can talk shit and back it up, it's the Jaguars. Yeah. I'm not worried about bulletin board material with the Patriots. No. I feel like their bulletin board is, we're going to the Super Bowl. Doesn't matter. But crazy thing to say. Yeah, well, it, but I it, love them. it is crazy. They didn't disrespect the Patriots. Right. I mean, they're disrespecting a little because they're just saying we're going to win. But, but that's what they are. They're cocky. Uh, and they're the type of team that they need to work themselves up into a frenzy. Yes. That's how they play. Uh, like we've talked about, they're a team of emotion, physicality. They're not going to out-scheme you to death. That's Doug Marone, Tom Coughlin, and these schemes and these players, and right. they just want to come out and intimidate and fly around the field, Man. and I'm pumped to watch it. Do you it. like the, the dog masks? I do like the dog masks. I do. I mean, it's it's cool. And I, I mean, of course – I'm not shocked you're such an idiot. I'm not. Damn it, I just, just spilled, spilled water. I'm not shocked though that your crowd base <sighs> has uh, jumped on the bandwagon. That's really cool too. I mean, it'd be really awesome to see like forty thousand dog heads. Right? Right? I know. Oh my god, that'd be weird. I'm standing in spilled water. All right, let's get to some Stop iTunes comments. Let's go. First one is freaking perfect, Sims. This encapsulates everything that we're talking about. This is from Zach Stroh. I don't usually read two stars because we don't normally get two stars. Oh. The title is Chris Sims. Hmm. Chris Sims tries too hard to make headlines. He's not a bad guy, but his takes are often garbage. Look no further than his Blake Bortles review. But I wanted to play this for you, too. There's a Jaguars fan a year ago that made a video calling you an idiot for saying Blake Bortles sucks, and he had no interesting facts. I... 
There's there's two things. I, I either want the Jaguars to win this game, and Blake Bortles plays a very similar game to last time, where it was whatever he made the necessary throws, mm-hmm. or I want Blake Bortles to throw five interceptions. I just, but if the, I feel like even if he does that, they're going to go. Well, it was the Patriots and Bill Belichick. Does that do they the exact? Do you not hear what everybody else says? See, I'm just the only they one that's coming listen. out and saying it. But I mean, Tony Romo tried to tell you. Hey, it's three miles per hour wind. It's hard for a guy that can't throw the ball naturally. I mean, Leonard Fournette tweeting out, um, I got 11 men in the box every play. Or Doug Marone going, I got a little cocky because he asked his quarterback to throw a five-yard out route in the no, late in the, the Cardinals game. The problem is they listen to these TV people that say, oh, no, he's a franchise quarterback right. because they're not watching. Mm-hmm. I want to say this, and I really, really mean it. I can legitimately look into the camera and say that no one in the television or media business watches more film than Chris Sims. Do you know why I know that? Because he watches every minute of every game, and it's physically impossible to watch more games than he does. Most people on television don't watch any film. They use headlines, they use newspaper clippings, and they come to you with a different take because they're on a panel with four other people, and they want to be unique. Chris is the only person here, and he's the only person that's coming up with any opinions. So technically, he can't differ from anybody. He is the only opinion, thus he can have any opinion he wants, and he does it based off film. It's the one thing I don't understand. It's physically impossible to watch more film than you, and if you're listening to people say that Blake Bortles is good, this is a great time to write their names down, and remember... Don't listen to them for the next eight months and see how much better your life gets. Right? <laughs> Thank you for the nice thing. But it's the truth. Yeah, it is. I know people think I have hot takes. It's the exact opposite. The exact I'm trying opposite. to tell you the truth. I'm the one that's working to tell you. And the reason I could speak about it so confidently is because I've watched it all. And that unleashes my brain. The truth shall set you free. The amount of times that Sims will walk into the room and go, I'm noticing something. The Giants are playing too much 11 personnel. And then we'll have producers go back and look it up and go, oh, shit, he's right. right. So you're not based off statistics. Right. And then that story comes out seven right. months later. Right. Or Aaron Rodgers, the Packers offense, whatever. Who cares? Who gives a yes. shit? Uh, next one, Falcons, Adam UB13. Only podcast I listen to and love it. Can you please can you please discuss how the Atlanta has been so far in the playoffs, regardless of win or not? I think we went into that. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, listen, Atlanta, Atlanta. The biggest thing with them is just Steve Sarkeesian has to continue to grow and get used to the NFL as a play caller. Like I said, he, they have a lot of good things in the offense. Just got to learn to have a few new schemes, right. tie a few tie a few things together better. I do believe he can do that. I, I liked what I saw this year, but the only reason I was trying to say it wasn't last year. Because it wasn't yeah. last year. Last year was special. Well, one thing I will say, right. I learned that Dan Quinn is a top 10, top 5 coach in the NFL. Okay. I just think because of the wrinkles right. that he put in in the playoff game against the Rams, I thought that was top-notch yeah, coaching. Sure. When you combine that with the Patriots game, yeah. keeping the Eagles to where they were, and having a season, ha- being able to keep your team together yeah, with sure. the constant doubt about your coach, right. Dan Quinn is up there. He, he is. really is. They're tough. They play hard yes. every week. It's no wonder he's a Pete's. Carroll disciple, uh, and but he might be the Pete Carroll disciple that's the most successful. Yeah, yeah, he I don't, is right now. Where is everybody else? Yeah, you're right. Gus Bradley's DC. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is not making it. Yeah, uh, let's go to uh, Sternicus twenty one. Plain and simple, 
Listening to Sims and Lefko talk about football is more fun than actually watching football. Keep it up, fellas. Thanks, dude. G, Bubblegum, DPEG23. There have been very few times I've disagreed with Sims, but this is one I'm very serious about. Okay. Zebra gum is the tasting gum for the first 45 seconds. <laughs> Seriously, though, it is. On a se- You're right. Yo, He's right, though. Zebra serious? gum is like four chews, and you're like, damn, this sucks. Yeah, but those four chews are good. special. Right. Oh, man. Zebra gum was the shit. It ain't bazooka, though. On a serious note, what is Sims's thought on the best Super Bowl of all time? Oh. In the last decade, we've had some amazing ones. We have. 51 and 49 are my personal favorite, mm-hmm. but is there anything older that is better all around? As always, keep spreading the truth. Man, 51 you, and 51. Who's that, D-Peg? D-Peg. What are 51 and 49 again? The, the Patriots, Falcons, Patriots, Seahawks. Patriots, Seahawks. Fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. I actually think the Patriots-Seahawks game was a more entertaining game. I mean, the Patriots-Falcons right. game was like amazing because it was 28-3. But 49, every single possession was holding your breath. Holding your breath, and yes. you were like, oh my gosh, Seattle's about to dominate this game. And I also think it's important to note that Seattle had beaten Denver the year before, right? Yes. So when you're facing someone that's back to back, right, and they've been dominating for two years, that added to it. As it did. Well. It was it was the clash of what we were going. This could be the new dynasty, mm-hmm. and are they going to end the old dynasty? That's right. really what it was. I mean, they were they were a yard away from making Tom Brady three and three in the Super yes. Bowl. You know, Steelers Cardinals was great. Steelers Cardinals, the first one that Patriots jumps, Giants. They, they, they were all. I mean, the Patriots have been in every Super Bowl has been really good. Yeah, the, the first Rams thing that came to too. my mind, other than Patriots-Seahawks, the one that comes to my mind always, almost right away, is uh, Brett Favre versus John Elway. Oh, 98. S- Super Bowl thirty-two. Uh, that was unbelievable, in my opinion. So that was the pa- the Packers trying to be- go back-to-back, and Elway beat them. Right. And that was Elway's last—no, he no, played, played another played another season. year against the Falcons. Damn. But that game, I was there that day. The Packers, the NFC had been on a, what, a 15-year run of dominating oh, the Super Bowl. They were double-digit point-spread favorites the, yeah. in the game. People don't realize that. The Packers are favored by, like, 13 points in that game. And that was a great game. It was a great game, especially with two superstar quarterbacks. The unveiling of Terrell Davis to the world and everybody going, man, he's awesome. Uh, that that to me will will always stand out. Yeah, I'm trying to. I think. mean, Bills Giants twenty to nineteen. I was there in the stadium. It was, you know, it was. The, was that the Phil Sims MVP my, game? No, he was not there. Okay. This is the Hosteller one. I mean, that was a great game because Norwood. everyone thought the Bills were going to win the football game. Right. The Giants came out with this, we're going to run the ball every play and control the clock and drop eight and nine guys into coverage yeah. and slow down the K-gun, which was so popular. Man. And then Norwood missed the field goals. Niners-Bengals? Oh, that was a good one, too. 20-16, 1988. That's Super Bowl twenty two to be precise. Man. MVP is Joe Mondale. Montaigne. Chris Collins. No, no that was Jerry game. Rice. Monta- uh, oh, because Jerry Rice had like four touchdowns. And... Chris Collins' last game as a professional athlete. Damn. Um, yes, that was that was pretty good. What too. about uh, anything else in the eighties or seventies? You know, the eighties was so dominated by the NFC. It there's was. not a there's not a lot. Um, yeah, you know, you... a ton of great. And then of course Super Bowl three. No, the seventies, the Super Bowls to me would be the Cowboys Steelers Super Bowls, oh. where the Cowboys lost. I mean, the Steelers won thirty five thirty one and twenty one seventeen in mm. two really good. Football football games. And I think Jets Colts Super Bowl 3. I mean it was amazing. You're right. That, that that one had the most on the line. Yes, it was AF it was the first time for the AFL to yeah. win the championship. Joe Namath making the proclamation. Plus it ended on the touchdown run. Yes, no. Right? No. That wasn't no, an overtime? No. 
No, they won the game. So they, they scored the touchdown that I see the picture of, and then they still played after that. Yes, yes. Oh, no, they kind of controlled the game. Yeah, sorry. It's funny, though. It goes back to the Saints-Vikings game where if it ended on that last play, it's like Villanova-UNC. Was it the best game ever? Probably not, but it ended on a made, made three, three to end. Right. And that, you know, you just you, you sit in shock, yeah. like Everson Griffin, for like 20 minutes afterwards, right. which was pretty cool to see. Right. Uh, let's go. We have two ones on the Texans here. KJ Sunshine, uh, Sup Boys, huge fan. I started listening, and you guys opened my eyes. Um, my dream job is to be the third guy in a football podcast, Fendrick. Quick <laughs> debut for you guys. Do you see the Houston Texans winning the Super Bowl in the next five years? They're certainly set up to in a lot of ways. I mean, you got some key pieces on the defensive side of the ball. You got a rookie quarterback on a rookie contract, which right. allows flexibility. Got receivers on the edge. You know, Hopkins and Fuller, okay. Right. Maybe they add, they probably need to add another weapon. You know, the O-line. That's an issue. It is a little bit of an issue, but I don't see – I'm not worried about those kind of things, not with this coaching staff. And I just think Bill O'Brien, the New England school, he's going to find the right guys up front on the offensive line. And the D-line's got some studs, as we know. Well, yeah, Giles1994 also wanted to chime in about the Texans. He yeah. goes, if the Texans somehow get Nate Solder, Andrew Norwell, and Nate Vicario in the offseason – what would be your win-loss prediction for the Texans? Also, don't forget, Derek Newton could come back healthy yeah. after his injuries. Right. I mean, the, the, this is the big thing that people are forgetting about the Texans. This is the one thing. The racist-ass owner? No. Well, yeah. Because I think that's going to hurt them in well, free agency. Well, I think that the other thing, too, is... Hey, come and meet our owner. The hey a- there, boy. <laughs> no, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Look, it's going to happen. The AFC South is about to get real. You're right. Because the Jaguars, their entire defense is under contract right. until 2019. Right. The Colts could get Andrew Luck back. And, and they're the going to te- get Josh McDaniels. Yeah. And then you got the Tennessee Titans. And the Tennessee who, Titans are they're good. Yes. They're not going anywhere. So they're not going to be a cakewalk. Uh, Deshaun Watson, of course, has Aaron Rodgers-type ability, superstar. Um, yeah, they're not far off. But, again, the, the game has changed in the AFC South from here forward. I look at the Texans and go, if Deshaun Watson is healthy, it doesn't hurt to throw money on him to go to the Super Bowl because they, no matter what their odds are, yeah, he, he can, can pull magic. Him. Yeah, because right, right. he's that kind of guy. Right. Uh, Ly- Layla the Golden, drunk chipmunks. Oh, this is a tech issue where he says sometimes it speeds up and he has to calm down. But he did say that I've been listening to the show since Sims was on the MMQB a year ago. Best place for NFL analyst for sure. Uh, I'm going to look into it, Layla, if there is any speed issues, if it does go too fast. I hope it's not your iTunes. If it is, I'll look into it. If anyone else is having our thing going too fast, uh, DM me and let me know. Uh, The last one here, oh, by the way, I mentioned on the show on Sunday that we could use an intern to look at fuck the playup statistics. Right, right. I've been inundated with like 70 people people being like, I want to do the intern. I'm, I kind of have an idea that I might assume uh, – uh, what's it? Not assume. I might pick one team for every person that responded, and they have to watch those games and do the diagramming the fuck-up plays. Right. I don't run internships around here. I don't even know if it's legal for me to, like, take an intern. Probably not. Because at this point of the year, you're supposed to get paid, and I don't want to get in trouble for that. Right. So, like, if you're DMing me, I'm sorry. I don't know internships right now. We'll figure but, it out. But we might – 
I think it might be a cool thing for next year to assign one fan to each team. If you already watch them, yep. when someone fucks a play up on your team, I want you to diagram. Right. So that might be the way to go. Plus, it's kind of like getting fan uh, representatives sure. from each team, getting them involved. Might right. be cool. We just, I just, I gotta, I gotta give them one coaching session just to make sure they know what fucking a play up is. Oh, that'll be great. Yes. It'll be the same. I, I want to do it like an old '80s instructional video. <laughs> Hi, I'm Chris. Sims. I'll put the whistle around my neck. Yeah, these are what it means to fuck a play up. Some wear some real tight shorts. And honestly, we can use college film because yeah. we have access to You're that. Right, right. All right, so last one, uh, Big Deal Owen, story time. Great analysis, and I love every time Papa Phil is on, but my favorite audio is when Sim shares stories of his playing days, especially with Cruden. My cousin, Dan Bunning, was Sim's left guard in Tampa. Dan jumped off sides and saved my life when I was losing blood in my spleen. That was the guy? That was the guy, my good old buddy Dan Benning. Tell him I said hi. Wow. Yep, he jumped off side. Good thing, because the curtains were falling. And I actually met Sims at the practice practice facility one summer. Any stories you can share from the 05 to 08-ish seasons? Thanks, guys. Great pod. So Dan Bunning is the guy that saved your life. He was. He saved me. He was, man, I love Dan. He was such a great guy, great guard. Uh, just, uh, you know, one of those guys you always felt g- good he was on your football team. He just was unfazed, not scared of any defense alignment. He would be the first guy to come and pick me up if I got hit or sacked, or, and if, or if he let up the sack, he'd, he would legitimately say sorry. Uh, I, I actually respected that always about him. Um, gosh, man, there's so many stories. Well, it's interesting. Those I always ask you about the 02, 03, 04, because right. that's prime defense. Right. 05, 08 is kind of your blossoming, yeah. Gruden sort of not just being the coach that took over Tony Dungy's yep. team now he's coaching we got Cadillac Williams in town now yeah what, what was that team like uh, we were a team that yeah, you're right we had some old old holdovers from the Super Bowl team and then this new young fresh vibe coming up the ranks too that was you know livening the team up a little yeah. bit uh, we had a man we had a, we had a great time I mean I guess the thing that jumps out to me more than anything and our guy here is going to be able to just the first story we had Davin Joseph, okay, yes. guard from Oklahoma, first round pick. Dan Benning's going to remember this story. Uh, we're going out to it's Rookie Hayes night. We're going out. We got a night, no curfew. It's going to be awesome. It's I mean we're living for this shit because we're so sick of meetings. We need some free time. We want to get fucked up and have some drinks and have a good time. And we get out, and of course we're like children. I mean we really are. We're like oh we're free. Yeah. You're like throwing yeah. salt. I mean you really are. I yeah. mean everybody's like in the lobby at the at our hotel. We're straight. Thing, uh, nice. Like ready to go, like oh my god, it's five thirty. Let's get out. <laughs> and uh, it's we, so even when you have all that money and you're gonna have to work the next day. Oh, and then and then these O linemen when they know that they're not gonna have to pay, and we had our first round rookie on the O line. Oh, they were gonna hammer him, and that was the night. Of course, Davin Joseph, he had to pay thirty thousand dollar dinner tab, uh, and really it was really only f- time out. Yeah, thirty thousand. Yes, over thirty, thirty three thousand, I believe. Was there a moment where you looked at each other and tried to guess the bill before it came? Well, no. So the bill was going to come until my old center, Swampass, John Wade, okay? John Wade. Swampass ordered a whole bottle of Louis Thirteenth, and that cost $14,000. He ordered the whole oh bottle to finish off the night. And it's like the bottle itself is worth like five thousand. Was it a Magnum bottle? Like it was a like huge? it was like this big, like a like a. Oh, it's just a circle. It's just like a circle. Have you ever seen like those bottles? You'll, no. you'll see it now that I explain it to you. You're gonna go. Yeah, I'll Louis look at the thirteenth. 
And so fourteen thousand dollars. Did anyone look at like when he did it? What was the reaction? We were like, what a dick you are. Let and me what, have a drink. <laughs> was it good? That's really. I didn't touch it. It smelled like gasoline. I wasn't touching it at that point. I went out to dinner with you, yeah. and we were with very important people at Bleacher Report, and they're like, and t- oh, we're going to sprinkle some black truffle on top. And you're like, I don't like it. I it don't smells do like truffles. Shit. Yes. And the guy's like, Do you know what this costs? I know. I know. They were shocked, and I was like, No, I can't do it. So you didn't try any of the champagne. No. What was the name no, of the guard again? It, the Louis first the round 13th. guard. Oh, Davin Joseph. What Oklahoma. was Davin Joseph's reaction when Wade ordered? He the... was ready. He knew it was going to be a disaster of a night, no matter what. Um, I mean, do, you, do the credit cards? I guess they do have that limit. They do. <laughs> yes. When and when, what was Davin? When you're the 13th pick in the draft, and you have an American Express. And card. this was before the first round salaries got changed. Yes. This is oh, this is be, this is the year I'm going to lose my spleen. I believe oh six. So what is the reaction when the bill comes? Does it go? Do they oh. like oh, give it to? Him? Are they all looking at it? Oh, everybody's give it to him. We're all looking to see his reaction. You know, and it's. <gasps> And everyone's like, <laughs> "You got fucked." <laughs> it was the what best. do you tip on thirty grand? I don't know what they tipped. I don't know what they did. Six I don't know. G's. Yeah, he got a little help from. We had a second round. Uh, I'm true blood uh, from Boston College. Okay, he was a second round old lineman we picked that year. He did help out and took a little of the sting away. Yeah, but he man, should get the tip. Man, it was a, that was that was the first one that came to my mind. And and where, what restaurant was it? It was like. I'm not sure. It was like a, a nice restaurant, Ruth though. Chris, or it was some oh steak God. place, right? It was a steak place. You eat well, though. Oh, I mean, we ate like kings. We usually, had, you know, you have your private room in those nights, right? Like, things like that, because we're too big and loud to be out in the with the rest of the restaurant. Wow, especially in our first night out. I mean, it's a disaster. It's a disaster. It's, you know what? It's the one it's of the like, few times the waiter earns a $6,000. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> they're like, they come in, they're like, man, this is great. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are coming in here. And about 30 minutes in, they're like, <sighs> yeah, they're like, damn, I've had to deliver them 40 steaks already, and there's only 12 of them. <laughs> I, I'll say this. That would be the one time where I'd go, so do you tip on alcohol? Because <laughs> there's $16,000 of alcohol. It's unbelievable. I don't even like to tip on alcohol when it's me and my girlfriend. Yeah, I know. But tipping's nice. Tipping's don't tip, nice. over tip. That's a very good point. Yeah. All right, that is episode 149. As you can see, we're getting ready for Super Bowl. Sims and I already have our logos on the back of laptops. Look, we might even have to sell these to you bad boys because I think they look bad as a shit. Uh, we have our big betting show. It'll be Thursday, 1 o'clock on Facebook. If you miss it, it's going to be on audio. Sims has saved some content for the Big Pick Show. We're going to get deep into the nooks and crannies of Jags, Patriots, and Eagles, Vikings. And then after that... Pro Bowl! I'm just kidding. Uh, we're getting ready for the Super Bowl. It's going to be awesome. We will be in Minnesota. It'll be one full week of episodes. A new episode will be on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of Super Bowl week. It should be awesome. Until then, for Sims. Peace out, homies. Fendrick would say good evening. And the L-E-F-K-O-E. Man. Says good night. Holla at you.